Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 205. My name is NBZ, and uh, I'm joined once more by Bally. He's here. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How, how are you, NBZ? Well, um, I don't know. I, I posited a theory to you about how I somehow got drunk from teriyaki sauce <laughs> yesterday. Uh, and I don't know if it's true or not. Um, but yeah, I was trying to make some teriyaki salmon. It was very nice. It was delicious. But there's a lot of sake in there. And I don't know if the sake has third hand made me somewhat yes. hungover in the morning. And maybe that's true. Maybe I'm making it up. 100 mils of sake is definitely nowhere near enough to even make you feel the alcohol i feel like you know? yeah probably not probably it's probably all in my head but uh, i did wake up weirdly dizzy this morning and i just i just had to attribute it to something all right so so that's what i attributed it to um but yes uh, we're here not to talk about my culinary skills or lack thereof but uh video games uh, and the ones that we have been playing uh, uh, as well as other things and, and fun fun times um how have you been doing with video games at the moment bali it's a hard season for us you know we have a hard job here playing all the video games yeah uh, how, how are you dealing with it i'm doing okay however this weekend has been taken up by this little thing called the Ryder cup which i am very into which is yeah three full days of golf and it's one of those things where with like a regular golf tournament you kind of dip in dip out whereas every single shot in the Ryder cup feels like a really big deal because it's match play golf so mm. yeah i'm very invested in that so that's taking up an awful lot of time um and it looks like europe are going to get beaten very badly so well done to america and all this but yeah yeah that's fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm fun. trying to squeeze in some games around the sides, but mm-hmm. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. It's hard. It's hard out there being uh, someone who plays video games. <laughs> the the difficultest uh, thing to do. Uh, so we are here to talk about playing those video games. Um, and Bali, do you want to let the people know what today's show will consist of? We're going to do a two-segment show this week. First segment, we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing. And then the second segment, there was a little Nintendo Direct on a Thursday that we both uh, tuned into. And we've got some thoughts. Yes, a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on. So yes. we're going to share our thoughts in the second segment. Absolutely, yes. And um, thanks, everyone, for sending in a bunch of emails, either on the Discord or through the uh, email uh, account. We have quite a few now, which is usually never the case. So we will be getting to those as, as many as we can uh, in the future. So, uh, yeah, continue to send them in. But, yeah, we've we got a good amount now. So thanks, everybody, for uh, for writing to us. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about some video games. Um, it's rare, you know, to have games that come out that meet your expectations uh let alone surpass them um and so this game eastward right this is a game i've been following for years uh, i think it was around 2018 where chucklefish on their youtube channel put up a trailer for this game and i saw it and i was like holy shit the pixel art on this thing is incredible this is like some of the best most detailed pixel art i have ever seen i sent you the trailer and you were like oh my goodness this looks amazing it's like earthbound but like modernized um and uh and we were excited for this game i think both of us and we're like Mm. okay well it's gonna come out at some point don't know when um and you know we waited years for it. i think one one of us picked up in a fancy league like last year or two years ago and still hadn't come out and yeah and it is one of those things where you know i looked at this game and i was like okay it's kind of got action combat and it's got this this stuff going on it's gonna be a big beefy game like 30 hours and i was like i was excited to play it but i was like maybe a bit apprehensive of like okay i'm I'm sure this will be good and it got like decent review scores but will it be something that i care about um 
And uh, I'm here to tell you that Eastwood is not only good, it is phenomenal. It is one of the best games I have played. Uh, it is up there in the echelon of Celeste and Hades, if we're talking about, like, best indie Switch games. You're like, Bally, I've not felt like this since I beat Breath, Breath of the Wild. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, it's hot. After I finished... So let me put this in perspective i started this game on thursday um when it came out i had finished it by tuesday i'd put 23 hours into it in the space of five days on the saturday i sat there and played it for almost seven hours straight i could not put it down um after i finished the game i sat there not knowing what to do with myself and just went onto youtube and just like was listening to the soundtrack try and find the four other people on the internet that had beaten the game that yeah but also just sitting and just listening to the music um and just vibing out and just not it's one of those things that happens very rarely i think for me especially just because i've played so much stuff and it's hard for a game to really get me like that and you know i I love playing games i I always sit down and play them but it is it's often like okay i i I gotta play something i want to sit down and, and do it but it it's not like it's a chore or anything but often with a video game i sit down i'm like okay i'll do this for three hours and, and then i'll go and do something else or whatever and there are those rare exceptions that are games that just hang on to you and just don't let get go um and and eastwood is is one of those games um so let's talk about it let's talk about this game Bally, you've also played a good amount of it how far in are you yeah i'm six and a half hours in and yeah like you i was just so blown away by the trailers and i was really concerned genuinely that this game couldn't live up to the vibe that those trailers evoke and so far six six and a half hours in i think it's really done that and far surpassed it like i i I can't glow to the same degree that you have mainly because i've not beaten this game but six and a half hours in I i agree with you like it is that good i was like i was really worried that it could match the characters the writing the vibe i really hope that i would care about like the overall story as well i'm a big fan of, like an overarching story that has twists and turns that i want to know about and mm-hmm. this game even from the, the whole of chapter one i'm in chapter three now but chapter one like really sets up enough mystery and writing and characters and world building that is just so top tier that is genuinely on a level with earthbound when it comes to like that strange weird world it's got this really great vibe that's just so great like the music is just really adds to that world and i think john as a silent protagonist actually works really well and your kind of daughter figure who's not actually your daughter sam yes does a really great role as being that kind of side character who interacts and does a lot of the talking for you essentially and i think it all just comes together in this really like yeah mechanically sure it's like a zelda game but at the same time this game couldn't be further from zelda in like so many yeah, ways totally. where it's basically earthbound with some zelda mechanics instead of fighting is what it feels a lot more close uh, instead of uh, jrpg fighting i should say that it just feels a lot closer yeah it's, to... it's action combat instead of turn-based yeah. essentially um but also i guess like a lot of it is very focused on cooperative like single player cooperative play so in that way it kind of reminds me of like brothers a tale of two sons but except mm. for you're not controlling both players at the same time you're just switching between them yeah it's like pikmin or the wild at heart it's that kind yeah. of it's yeah you swap it's hopping them. between or uh, a, a classic that everyone knows cookies and cream from the super nintendo <laughs> famous right, right. game where you uh, have like these bunny bunny rabbits on two opposite sides or even there's mario party mini games right where yeah, like one yeah. person is doing opening a gate for the other to go through it's that idea because often your characters will get split up when they're in mm. kind of dungeon areas and exploring spaces and stuff like that and um 
I just want to say the narrative comparison to The Last of Us also just feels quite resonant with me as sure. well. Where yes. um, John, obviously Joel talks a lot more than John, but uh-huh. <laughs> Sam has, you know this from early in the very, very early, like Sam is like, there's something unique about Sam and like obviously yes. there's something unique about Ellie and like you right. are traveling across the country across the world and i just there's something very last of us about that feeling that i really enjoy and I, there I, is a pseudo post-apocalyptic vibe going on because mm. of this force called the miasma that is doing something is is kind of you know mm. you know destroying and, and is, is kind of like an unstoppable thing almost like a zombie apocalypse in, in some senses though the areas you go to and the towns you uh, interact with are relatively vibrant and don't feel like the kind of dilapidated broken down stuff it's just there is something weird going on that you can't quite put your um yeah your, yeah your on. and i'm so i'm in early chapter three i don't want to spoil things but like there's just so much mystery about this world and like what is actually going on and i yeah. think chapter one does a really good job of setting up just you know you there there's a lot of like lies told to you in chapter one that are just like right wh- wh- why are these why are the people in power telling us this what's going on and what's the reality and because I, I i did i bought i bought into the like propaganda i didn't buy into the propaganda i believe the propaganda to be false of the mayor in chapter one right he's like oh and above the miasma will murder you and all this stuff and i was like he's just bullshit because he's never been outside and there is that incredible moment on the train where you burst out having been underground for the first few hours into just this sunlight and it is transcendent in a way that is really hard to describe it like it's the the way that it works with the visuals but also the the music music and how it kicks kicks in it is absolutely stellar um but then you find out that maybe the mayor was kind of right because the miasma does exist so it it is one of those weird things Um, yeah yeah and yeah chapter two my goodness i love that chapter i think yeah without spoiling stuff it's just yeah i'm still so early on trying not to spoil the story early on but like people need to experience this game and i'm i've been very bogged down by other things and playing stuff like kane and bridge of spirits and haven't delved deeper into this story and i'm kind of i'm prepping myself because i know this is a long game I, I, i'm less good at uh, like absorbing long games sometimes like you are mbz but like mm-hmm. I, i'm looking forward to like this 24-hour campaign and yeah I, I it's just it's it's rare that kind of a game comes along like this and just kind of really blows us away um yeah. also blows us away in a way where it just feels like no one else in the industry is really talking about this game that much mm-hmm. and it's come at a time where there's so many other big games most notably like um uh, De- death loop and Kena bridge of spirits and you know lost judgments just come out and there's a whole lot going on that i just think a lot of mainstream reviewers just will not pick up a 24-hour game and talk about it because you know it's it's a big commitment um but ultimately this is if you do like earthbound which i know a lot of listeners definitely will this is the like i i bounced off undertale in quite a big way but this game is just resonating with me on an earthbound level like nothing else ever has by a long 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 way um, a lot of that i think has to do with the writing and the way that it is both cutting and funny you know like there there's like there's times at which it's serious there's times at which it is just off the wall and the characters as well are just like you have like jasper who is the the kind of weird clown uh comedian guy who like feels like he belongs in a circus almost and and he's um he's definitely like an interesting companion that kind of comes along with you um and yeah there are there are other characters like that become mainstays later on in the story as you go along and they they kind of act as foils as like 
comparisons because i think at its heart this game is about like relationships between characters like whether it be john and sam or like some other characters that you meet later on it is it's about pairs of people in a way um and and those kinds of relationships but for me i think so much of what resonated was that kind of optimistic spark that sam has like in this this world that is so off kilter and something is wrong there and i think this character trope really resonates with me whether it be like haruka from the yakuza series or uh, nanako from persona 4 like the young optimistic girl character um who just like brings that kind of spark of life and joy um and sam is just like embodies that so so much he is like a literally as well her hair is like shock white right so Mm. in this dark underground space she is literally and metaphorically like the brightness in in that darkness um and her character is just so over you know flowing with uh life and um and delight and just joy and I just love the writing uh, of her character. Uh, and there are, there are certain really fun moments. There is a moment um, where she gets she gets given a gift. Um, and the way she runs around the room, just like delighted with it. And then she like shows it off to John and like this custom animation that you never see anywhere else. Um, it's just, it lifts your spirit, you know? It just makes you feel really happy um and and this game just does a good job of creating those moments um uh with her especially and it is interesting because john as a silent protagonist i wondered like how this would work right because a story that is so driven by its characters and its narrative how do you do that with someone who can't talk and there's certainly moments in chapter two that maybe feel a bit weird as a result of that like there's a character you interact with where it feels like there should be a conversation happening but there can't be because you're a silent protagonist um but that said i think you get a real sense of who john is and the type of kind of morals and, and philosophy not philosophy necessarily but what he feels uh hmm. just through the way that sam interacts with him and and the way that you know you encounter other characters with him he has very he's almost the most kind of conservative in terms of the number of animations he has like there are only a couple he's he's often seen like kind of like scratching the back of his head uh in response to things when he but, walks with his hands in his pockets i love that animation. yes so yeah nice. he he always like kind of wanders around like that very casual um but he's also um he's a very good cook as well and that's part of uh, the charm of this game also it, it has a cooking system that is somewhat reminiscent of breath of the wild in terms of you get all these ingredients so you have like i don't know fish and mushrooms and potatoes mm and onions and whatever to the point of giving you like yellow hearts and red hearts like it's very exactly in that sense yes it kind of takes although i think it does a more interesting job with the yellow hearts because you can only have yellow hearts if you have enough red hearts to get the yellow hearts they're not like added on at the end Mm. they are overlaid on top of your hearts that you already have essentially um and so you can't be in a you can't be in a situation where you're kind of like spamming um yellow hearts just to be at infinite health all the time essentially yeah Um, which is good because i think the game does get challenging later on in terms of enemies and how much damage they do to you and so having a good backpack full of recipes that you have made is kind of essential like and it really helps in terms of 
making sure that you're able to survive through all these areas because the game doesn't actually give you that many rest spots it will often give you an area with a fridge and a cooking station um the fridges by the way very if you, if you want to talk about an undertale comparison that is the most undertale thing which is the fridges are save points but every fridge you go to has like this weird like almost philosophical piece of wisdom or something funny um you know in the same way that every save point in undertale talks about determination or like has a like weird kind of just line about some part of life or, or something that you wouldn't really think about this game does that as well and so if you kind of like that i think that fills that vibe to some degree um but yeah the cooking stations is, is where you go and then you can basically choose three ingredients and put anything together and you'll never get a bad dish you'll always get something out of it because all the ingredients interact with each other in some way because they're put into subcategories so like eggs and milk will be under dairy um and like ham and steak and stuff like that will be put yeah. under that's meat. very like um, spirit fair actually where it just sort of has a subcategory yeah. for everything it works works well right yeah exactly and so because each subcategory has you know this plus this or this plus this plus this there is a full kind of recipe board that encapsulates every single combination that you could possibly do um and there are also one-off recipes which sometimes you'll get a bit of a side quest where someone will be like oh could you make this this is the recipe for it this this and this and they are individualized items that you have to get that specific one and not just one that's from a category and uh, i didn't fill out the recipe by the end so the the recipe book there's definitely hidden ones in there ones that you kind of have to figure out via experimentation um which gets tricky because buying ingredients can get expensive and your currency in this game that is salt is somewhat hard to come by you find it in chests and you get like big amounts all at once like 50 or 100 tiny Um, amounts from enemies like really really small small amounts so yeah you could theoretically grind for salt but really i think the the game's economy is well built in terms of you have to make choices of like do i spend this on an upgrade for this weapon Mm. or do i spend it on an ingredient i need do i spend it on increasing my backpack size i I felt like the game also always had those choices um, and and that fits more fits more into with the narrative with a post-apocalyptic world i, I, I like yes resources made, are yeah, just resource scarce management, right yeah. like, I, I like that it's, it's simple yeah. but i like that a lot when it's that setting they never really explain the salt thing i thought that was to do with the underground more so than anything but salt is just a currency wherever you go in the world so i wonder what's what's up with that mm. um I, I do think um I'm, I'm interested to see how you feel when, the, when you kind of get to the end of the game ballet because i think similar to earthbound in a way right <clears throat> if i think about what is earthbound story i couldn't probably really tell you and in the same way like there are elements of this that are not really explained um and they are kind of left there as more thematic things more so than the actual like f- fully resolving into what you could say is a comprehensible narrative and i think a lot of it is like putting pieces together yourself and figuring out your mm. perspective on what I happened mean, so far the story has very much been we are showing you something you're interpreting that and then sam either like forgets about it or is hiding Mm -hmm. concealing it and then the other characters don't see what you've seen and then you're kind of piecing it together where the story is taking place on multiple levels and and isn't quite as overt as you know last of us or whatever yeah exactly but but that works for me so far which yeah that's that's why i'm interested to see how you feel because i know that you are not as big a fan of implicit stories as explicit ones as we yeah. know from the end of inside um, I, I don't know. think that it will be that level for you but um i'm i'm interested to see how it yeah. goes because for me it really it strongly resonated because that's the kind of storytelling that i do like i'm i far more gravitate to if a, if a game is talking more about themes via its characters then that's something that i connect with quite strongly and i think this game just does an incredible job at 
at mm. doing that type of stuff. I, I actually um, think it's something that's arguably fairly unique to video games where you as the character can experience something that and in, in this case it's incredibly dark and you're like what what is this and then you've experienced that you have all these feelings about it and then when you speak to other characters they're like what what's going on what hmm? I, I, I don't yes. know what you're talking about and yes you can convey that through a novel or in many ways a film but there's something about experiencing it through a video game where you've experienced something seen something in the world and then life is continuing elsewhere like mm-hmm. unknowledgeable about they don't know about it and then yeah I, that that feeling which is hard to do in an overt way then they do it in a less overt way which is good it just felt so dark and really like, oh my God, I want to know like what is going on here. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's great so far. Part part of the draw as well is seeing new places and new areas. Um, and I think the section of the game you're in, you actually spend a really long time there. Um, and it kind of makes sense when you think about like New Dam City, which is a place you go to, is one of the most impressive displays of pixel art I have ever seen in terms of the density, the look, the way they use lighting in this game for different times of day to change the tone and feel mm. of a place. Uh, rain, like the, the way atmosphere is built through pixel art is just incredible. And I the- can't think of a game that's got better pixel art than this, like easily. No. I, I think this is head and shoulders above anything I've ever seen. Yeah, it's incredible because it it conveys that kind of character design from Earthbound, but then just thinks like, what if we just went to the next level and just completely uh, went crazy with how detailed little things are? There, there's a tiny moment that is like almost a blink and you miss it early on in the game where you go to find this doctor guy and he has this hole in his shirt. And there's a moment where he takes his arm and he puts it through the hole in his shirt and that tiny little animation like must have taken so much work and thought to put into it and it is like this throwaway thing but just adds so much life to the world and there are so many of those moments like sam in particular is just she's absolutely adorable i just her character design the way she waddles along and her mouth just is like yapping in the background even though she's not saying anything you kind of get that sense she's the kind of character who's just yapping all the time right and her mouth is just opening and closing and just waddling along just so so cute but then there are moments where she's like she's like oh john i'm tired can you give me a piggyback and then like she jumps on his back and it's just the most cute thing you've ever seen and then when she's sleeping she's just like sprawled out on the bed and like her mouth is like going uh, open and shut and it's just like wow they they make you connect to this character so strongly um and and i guess like that is part of why they they made the kind of silent protagonist choice because you can in a sense put yourself in in john's shoes right like that that's probably what they were going for you want to have that connection to this character mm. sam who you are taking care of and i think like it um it works incredibly well it just it just is so well delivered on but but yeah there are i I wouldn't say this is a criticism of the game, but I wish there were... I just wish... I just wanted... It's one of those things. I finished this at 23 hours, and I was bummed out it wasn't 35 hours, you know? And I never, ever say that about a video game. I, I if anything, want things... Like, I wanted LEGO Builder's Journey, a game that was two hours long, to be one hour long, right? And and the fact that I say that about this game just speaks to how into it I was. Like, the world truly captured me, and I wanted to see so many new places and, and different things because of how visually impressive it is, but also just understanding more about this space and, and what is going on here. And, and I think, like, there is the middle section of the game where you do spend a lot of time in a single 
place new things are opening up and, and new things are happening but i was uh, at some point like oh can we can we go somewhere new i kind of just wanted to go somewhere new and it does happen but it, it takes a little longer than i might have expected um and that's not really a crit i think that's more of my own expectation being projected onto the game versus the game itself mm. it's not the length of the it's not the length of time you're spending doing the thing it's the fact that within that time you're not going to a new place you want just that sense of new to yeah i i think i think that's that was the thing and i think because the game presented a sort of cadence to begin with i expected it to carry on and it it kind of puts the brakes on a little bit and i I don't think that's a bad thing because i think the stuff they achieve within chapters like three through five or so where you're kind of spending in that that area is really excellent and like builds a base for what happens next right because you are learning who these characters are and you're finding out more about these different npcs who are kind of interacting with the main story and you're really connecting to them and so that makes a stronger impact later on when you're doing other when you kind of come across them again and that sort of stuff right so it's i i do think the game is right in making that choice i just um from a personal level because i just wanted to keep going eastward right as the game is all about right the the idea is you're on this train and you keep going to different places to the east because something is over on the east and you don't know what it is and you're trying to figure it out um and and yeah that that for me was was one of those things where i probably projected a bit more of what i wanted onto the game but that's not to say it, it was a bad decision it's, it's just somewhat different maybe than i expected um but but yeah and, and i think a lot of a lot of what resonated with me was just the music as well with with these places like i talked about the tone and atmosphere but there are moments where it's you know in the evening and the music reflects that or like there's moments where it's more subdued and the happy like joyful moments like sam's theme in this game one of my favorite pieces of music it is just so boppy and and fun um and yeah i i just i cannot say enough good things about eastwood it is it's i I guess we haven't really talked about the actual playing of the game which is um the game runs really nicely as well on switch it should be said also this game crashed like six times on me uh and i didn't really care and part of that is because it has an incredibly good save system um it auto saves on every single screen you go through so it took it takes a while to like load the game back up but I, I think the fact that I'm this effusive and yet this is the most times a game has crashed on me on my Switch um, probably says quite a bit uh, about like how how good it is. But but yeah, the the combat... How have you, have you found the combat stuff so far, Bally? Because I think this is the thing that a lot of people have been talking about as a weaker element to the game. Um, just because it's a little simplistic and it doesn't have a huge amount going on in terms of options combat wise that does expand as you get further into the story Mm. but um for the most part like you never get a a way to dodge out the way or dodge roll or something which would be a bit weird because john's kind of an older man it doesn't feel like he would be lithe enough to do a dodge roll um (laughs) he he kind of like just hits things with a pan like your main weapon is that's the other thing i love the cooking pan that you use to make all your meals is also your weapon and you know multi-purpose game design man that's what i'm all about the pan as your weapon and your way to heal yourself is uh is really great but um mm. yeah how have you found that stuff yeah it's maybe one concern i have going deeper into the game where so far i think the combat you're not really doesn't feel like you're doing a ton of combat like yes the dungeon areas like the dungeon areas kind of feel like a really good length and pace so far if they get longer and deeper and more dense with enemies and i'm not given enough resources to combat that mm. it might be a bit frustrating uh but so far it's all good and you know yes some sort of l targeting or dodge roll or something might be nice but i think for what the game's going for 
it kind of works and like I don't really mind it and it's it's definitely one of those mechanics that clearly a lot more effort went into the characters the writing the world and these are just kind of like a a secondary thing a secondary part of the game but it still gives fits narrative fits into this narrative of this post post apocalyptic world where you are still trying to survive and there are still enemies and monsters and things that are attacking you and yeah i think it works fine for what the game's going for it's nowhere near like a highlight but i don't think mm-hmm. it necessarily drags the game down yet for me at least yeah for sure there there were definitely i think it gets frustrating at points just because enemies will sometimes swarm you and you'll just keep getting hit and you're like yeah. i can't do anything it's in this more situation. than respawning that's frustrated me so far where interesting you go to okay. an area and i said this off mic but it's like when you're going back and forth through an area just maybe trying to work out where to go next in the puzzle it's very frustrating where that hub area might have a few enemies that keep respawning and mm-hmm. you once you kill them you just want them to stay dead arguably because yeah it's that it's a, it's a solid video game loop where you clear out of it an area of enemies and then you work out the puzzle like that's a very common thing you see in games and this game sometimes falls a little flat where like I said, you come back to those areas and all of a sudden all the enemies are back. And you're like, okay, I just want to sort out the puzzle here and work out where to go next rather than right. fight these enemies multiple times. Yeah, I didn't find that too much of an issue because I wasn't doing a huge amount of backtracking. I think for the most part, the game works in a linear fashion with yeah. its design and that's that's good and sometimes you will open shortcuts back but there are moments where it's like oh i need the key for this door so i need to go over to this area to get the key and then once you have the key you need to go back to the door right so yeah that's all i mean i agree there's not much yeah. backtracking at all it's just yeah there's not a huge min- minuscule amounts to get the key to the door yeah yeah have you done much switching between sam and john in terms of their kind of co-op puzzle design of like so she has an ability that is a bubble that will freeze enemies but she can't actually hit enemies or attack them Mm. and and so she i found myself especially later in the game where there are some quick enemies that kind of dive at you and stuff switching to sam to bubble them and then back to john who can just smack them in the face as they're frozen essentially was my go-to tactic for a lot of the game in terms of that stuff but i really like the moments where she's on one side he's on the other side and it's like there are these weird kind of bulbous plants that she can destroy but he can't Mm. and then she can't destroy boxes but he can and so like he'll be on one side and he'll have to like hit a bomb over to the other side because she but there's a bulb in the way so she first has to get rid of the bulb so that he can then hit the bomb over to her side so then the bomb explodes the things in front of her so she can move forward and that kind of cooperative puzzle design um, I really enjoy throughout the game and I think it does some cool stuff with it Um, there are certain sections where it can get a little timing based and i think a lot of people in reviews complained about this but i didn't find it too taxing for the most part and generally it it fit and wasn't you know wasn't badly designed in any way it just felt like you just needed to be a little quicker that time or whatever it wasn't Mm. it wasn't over overly onerous with that stuff yeah I've, i've only done fairly small amount of the kind of where you're in two separate areas linking up in ways and i i love that game design i think all that stuff is fantastic and it's very very zelda-y very kind of pikmin-y where you're yeah. swapping between them and i'm i'm loving that stuff so far so if the game has like lots more of that which i hope it does like i'm very pumped 
for sure yeah it has a good amount of it and um there's also just like when you're both together and you can just switch between the two characters i think it's really snappy just pressing one of the shoulder buttons to switch from one character to the other is almost instantaneous and that's what you want in a fast combat situation is to be able to just quickly switch quickly switch back um and and make it work and yeah i i do like the the way the bombs work in terms of you can put them down but they solve the zelda problem of like even if they're about to explode you can still press a to pick them back up again so if you fuck up and you're like oh i missed it oh i don't want to lose that bomb you can just pick it back up and put it back into your inventory and it doesn't detonate and that's really like it's one of those kind of quality of life things that um i really appreciated and and thought was was really good um so yeah yeah that stuff i think for me it would have been nice if say sam later on in the game got an ability where she could like dodge because she's kind of she she basically has magic right she's like this bubble she shoots out and like you don't know what the magic is from or like how she has it but it would make sense that at some point she gets the ability to like do a bit of a dash where she kind of disappears and then like reappears um and i think that would have been nice to have like the the melee combat focused on john and like the dodge avoidance focused on her but they don't do that and um and maybe the game is a little weaker for it but like this is one of those really minor complaints you know in the grand scheme of things i think overall the combat is fun enough and it's not i didn't find it overly frustrating but also it was challenging enough to where i had to keep using my recipes to make sure that i was healthy mm-hmm. enough going forward so like it, it it felt like it hit that balance for me relatively nicely yeah um, i find yeah you really have to concentrate on enemies and if you do go in a downward spiral you can lose a lot of hearts very quickly and that's yes you need a lot of recipes to it's definitely worth like paying attention to patterns and being safe rather than like risky and and if you just bum rush in there and just try and smack things with your pan you're not going to do well um it's it's much better to be a little more methodical and kind of take your time with it a bit more um so so yeah that that stuff i thought was really good and by the end there's some there are some fun ways in which they subvert it as well and and i do think there's a good amount of gameplay variety there's a section early on in the game um, that you'll have done which is this pig farmer guy and um there's some crabs actually i think this might be in the underground before you even go there there's a crab section where there's these crabs walking around and this fruit um sand roops i think they're sand roops right because you get mm-hmm. them as part of your recipes and there are a bunch um like scattered around this area and there's a hole in the middle and you have to use john's uh powered up charge so he can charge the frying pan to like power it up and then do a really big hit which is how you kind of knock bombs across to other areas but you have to do it by getting these sand roops into the hole and it's like just this little mini game but it's the gameplay variety that it throws in there to kind of switch things up and the game does that quite a few times throughout which is really good and that's one of those things i love to see um is is making it not just the same thing you're doing all the time but throwing little mini games in there and it's one of those things that that help break up uh parts of it takes two right um you know that game is so co-op focused but then there are the moments where you get competitive and you yeah. do those little mini games and yeah just it's, it's a pacing thing that works really well and, and overall the game is the game is slow paced right like it is a lot of mm-hmm. talking to characters and and wandering around spaces but like i i reveled in it and i think one of the things i would recommend people do if you are really into it is after every beat or after you have had a cutscene, go around and talk to every npc again because sometimes there will be npcs that you've never seen before that just randomly pop up and they'll have a new thing to say every single time there was this mini narrative that happened in new damn city there's this this old guy and his robot friend and they're always talking about like oh man we gotta we gotta make some money somehow and the robot guy being like damn my wife she's gonna leave me Um, and this this theme just keeps coming back through and then hours and hours later um you get this mini 
part of a cutscene where you see those two characters and there's a they meet um you meet the robot's wife for the first time and like there's a little conversation there and that probably wouldn't mean a lot to people if they hadn't been talking to these two npcs every single time throughout that period right but if you have it's a little payoff and it's it's something that is worth doing um if you want to kind of really dig into everything this game has to offer and then so yeah i would recommend just going around and talking to everybody after all the events because sometimes you'll get mini side quests for it sometimes you'll get um you know things that you wouldn't have found out about the world and and a lot of it can can be maybe similar and i've heard some people criticize the writing in some ways but i i thought it was just awesome the whole way through and i just wanted i just wanted more essentially so so yeah um i guess the last thing that we haven't really touched on is that there's another game within the game there's a game called earthborn which is basically a dragon quest 3 uh, clone in some senses it's not it's not the same but it is that structure of you have four party members and they're in the overworld and the main character looks like the main character from dragon quest 3 um, and the first time i saw it i was like holy shit this is incredible and it is a turn-based rpg where you have three playable characters in your party but you can unlock more as you go along and it's also mm. they even gave it a year like 1980 5986 yes exactly which and this world what it seems like from what i learned you know up to the point where you are anyway bali i i kind of learned that the game seems like it's taking place hundreds and thousands of years after our time so it is set in our world because Mm. they talk about like oh there's this old thing that's like i can't remember there's there was there was some object that someone was like oh that's from the old world but it was something kind of quite modern um and and yeah it seems like that's kind of the subtext here is is that so this probably is a relic this this game is a real relic from our world maybe it is the real dragon quest 3 that they have and and they they called it earthborn um but the game is actually a roguelike so like you have this overworld that you're exploring and you're fighting random battles but you have a certain amount of time in which to explore the space level up your characters and then the game will automatically take you to the final boss which is the demon lord and depending on how well you've done um you have these other things called pix balls pix balls are basically like amiibo that you get out of capsule machines and you kind of get this token currency that you use to get these pix balls and they act as items in the game so collecting as much of those as possible really helps because then you get more items which will help you against the final boss essentially which makes it a lot easier to fight it near the end of the game than near the beginning because you'll have amassed more characters and stuff like that but when you inevitably die to the final boss the first time you fight him you'll restart your characters are all back at level one again but you will have retained all the fast travel points that you had before so you could fast travel to areas and i think you can unlock other characters the problem was i was so enamored with the main game of eastward that i only put about an hour into earthborn and i kind of wanted to play all of it i did want to go through the whole thing and kind of see it through but i at the point where like i would have been best suited to to play a bunch of earthborn the the momentum of the game the main game was so strong for me that i just kept wanting to go with that and so it felt really hard to drag myself away from it it's also this really weird feeling of the first time i played earthborn i was sitting there and like playing this mini rpg and i was like man i've been playing this for like half an hour and then i turned off the machine and i was like oh wait i'm playing another fucking game i'm like i'm like in this other game and like it's almost like the art style hits you a second time when you like eject yeah. from earthborn you're like oh wow yes eastward this game it looks like this not like a two-bit little tiny sprite thing it's like found clone yeah right it's super impressive um I, once again like every time like i ejected from playing earthborn i was like wait what am i doing um so so yeah and and i think like thematically earthborn if you play that alongside the main game kind of 
kind of narratively fits a little bit as well i've heard from people though of course i didn't play deep enough into it to, to get an idea but um i think the biggest praise i can give this game is that after i finished it i didn't want to play anything else and i wanted to just restart it and like get stuff that i missed um because there were two abilities for sam that i completely missed and and never had them and they would have been really helpful um and and stuff like that and just playing the rest of earthborn um yeah i i have not been this kind of knocked off my feet by a game in a long time i think it speaks to the fact that i beat a 23 hour game in five days and wanted it to be longer uh so yes uh i i don't think i could give this a higher recommendation if you have any love for um earthbound if you have any kind of love for like the music of undertale or or like classic rpgs this is a thing you should be paying attention to uh it is a game that you should be playing um so yes it comes with my highest seal of if you've been like zelda games that have just a much bigger emphasis on characters worlds and story yeah you know it's that yeah it's, it'll scratch that itch too for sure for sure great cool. um, i look forward to playing more um hopefully yeah. i'm as hot as you are on it but at the moment yeah couldn't agree more yeah it's it's incredible stuff um cool i've got a couple more games to talk about so let's uh let's let's jump into those real quick uh there's a little game called toem that came out recently uh on switch and uh we were given a code by pop agenda so thank you to them for supplying us with the code for the show uh and i've been playing that as well um i'm about three hours into it and it's a short game probably like three hours you could do if you wanted to just mainline it um i'm kind of doing everything in it and i think it's because i i really like the vibe that's going on so it is a photography game in essence you are this kind of little sheep-like character and you are exploring these dioramas that you can kind of see from an isometric perspective the one of the things i really like about the game is you can zoom all the way in or you can zoom all the way out to kind of see where everything lies so it helps you like taking pictures in certain aspects but when you take a picture you go into a first person perspective so you're looking at the game wandering around with this character isometrically but then you can take pictures of that environment from different angles if you you are in first person so it leads to some stuff where like your character will go behind a building but the camera won't rotate around to see where you are so your character is kind of like blind but then you go into camera mode and all of a sudden you can see where your your character is because of where their perspective is and you can find hidden secrets that way and that sort of stuff so the game's also kind of black and white so it has that minimalist aesthetic it's a bit of a lighter tone i would say it's more gray than something like minute um or even downwell um but it does have like really really nice uh artwork and and has that very cutesy vibe to it even though it's not colorful in the same way it has that twee almost wholesome aesthetic um that i think a lot of games are leaning into at the moment and uh and yeah essentially it feels almost like an adventure game where you get to these different areas and you the the main goal is um there's a bus stop and in order to get the ticket to go to the next area you have to complete a bunch of uh, challenges in your journal and you get stamps for completing them so you know you do have a um you have a photo album where you store all your photos and there's also stuff where like there are different animals like there's a toad or even uh, so because um greg miller's wife um jen works at pop agenda they got a cameo for their dog portillo in the game oh, wow. and i got a picture of him which is really fun um you know mice pigeons um dragonflies underwater stuff fish so like there is a pokemon snap element to it of like gotta catch them all with all the animals that you find in the world but that's like a side objective the main objective is the compendium and the compendium is where it will give you little challenges like okay uh capture a rad moment and you're like what does that mean capture a rad moment and like 
what I have liked to do is I like to explore the entire space so I know all the different areas that you go to. Um, and it's kind of like different... Each diorama like has um, uh, an arrow pointing that can lead to another one. And so it's it, it feels like a whole place just separated by just different screens. And so exploring all the different screens, talking to all the characters, collecting all of the... Uh, challenges and then kind of thinking about them individually and thinking oh did i see something over there that would match up with what i need to do here um and so for the rad moment i was like oh wait i saw a little girl who was skateboarding and she's doing a grind down a staircase and so her little animation is she just goes in a loop doing this grind and so i captured a moment of her grinding on the staircase and then i went back to the person i was like is this a rad moment they're like yeah that's a rad moment you (laughs) captured it so it's like that sort of stuff where it's not always explicit and it's sometimes you have to interpret like what you have to do um and sometimes it's it's like there's a hidden like weird cube um in the environment and and there are a few of those that pop up whether it's almost like cosmic space cube and if you take a picture of it it will cause a change that will then allow you to do something different um there's one where you talk to this this ghost lady and she's like take me on a date um and around the map there are all these different tables with two chairs at them and so you'd go around the map trying to find the place that is the best for a date you go to this alley and she's like no this is too grubby i don't like it here we go to this place that is uh, a bit nicer but there are some like weird people around and eventually you find um you know a really nice place and she's like yeah you took me on a date and then you get a stamp for it essentially um so there are some of them that can be a bit trickier than others there was one that tripped me up in the second area where there were kind of these three stamps that i needed at the end and i didn't really know how to get them one of them was a snowman who was like i need a melody i need inspiration for a melody and i'm like how do i how do i give you a melody in a picture i don't really know how to do that there's another kind of guy on a beach who has a guitar and he's like yeah i need to some inspiration for a song i'm working on so i'm like okay so these must be connected somehow so i tried taking a picture of the snowman and showing it to the other guy try taking a picture of the other guy and showing it to the snowman being like look you are two musicians you should work together but that wasn't really the case it turned out that it was this one guy who was sitting by a fountain who before you talk to him he's kind of like humming a, a tune to himself and out of his mouth little music notes are coming out of his mouth so what you need to do is before talking to him you take a picture of him as the music notes are coming out of his mouth and then you show that to the snowman and then the snowman gives you a tape and you take that tape to the the other guy and then they get together and have a jam session and that jam session causes this big fish in the ocean which you're looking at and you're like wondering how do i get this big fish out of the ocean they give you a power up which is like a a honk um so you have like a blaring honk on your camera so that you can you can like blast at at pigeons who are in your way and they move out the way when you honk at them and i tried earlier on in the level to like honk at this big fish and it wasn't moving it was just in the water the whole time but that wasn't the solution the solution was to get these two musicians together so that then this giant king fish jumps out the water get a picture of that and it turns out the guy back at the fountain wanted a picture of the big fish so it all kind of linked together in this mini kind of arc um, of challenges that you had to do so some of them are built in that way where they're all kind of like one thing leads to the other which then allows you to complete this one task but for the most part they're kind of standalone and um and they're really fun to work out that some of them i have looked up of like okay i've been around this area like three or four times i don't really know what to do in this situation um and so yeah there are a couple of guides on steam um, that i've been referencing to to kind of clear out the areas but yeah i i'm really motivated to do all the challenges they're all really fun to do um and yeah you could knock through this game in probably a couple of hours if you just did the bare minimum because each level has like 
a number of challenges you need to complete to get the bus ticket so like stanham which is the first major area there are 15 challenges but you only need like six or seven to move on so you could just do the baseline ones and then just move to the next area but i think the spaces are well designed and dense with stuff that you keep wanting to explore them and take snap photos and and have fun times and and, and it's really cool to work that stuff out and you know even if you don't then you can look stuff up and uh, it's still satisfying to complete it so i'm in the last area now which is kind of a snowy area and yeah i'll probably finish it up this afternoon um and, and be done with it but um but yeah are you interested in checking this one out at all bally yeah definitely it sounds the length is very appealing to me just like a four hour like very cute photo photo focused game like that really yeah. appeals to me and yeah i i think it looks absolutely delightful and would quite like to play it before the end of the year yes i did i did say like do you want this code because it's come in um, <laughs> i'm drowning you want to play it. I'm and you're like no <laughs> too many it. games uh so yeah so i uh checked out and uh yeah i think i think people will really like it it's definitely um cute uh, and 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 really really wholesome and uh, a fun time so term is great uh and the last game i want to talk about is flynn son of crimson um three like really great indie games uh, to talk about today uh, and flynn is no different i really enjoyed this one um it is a side-scrolling action game that you could i wouldn't say metroidvania because it it does have upgrades and stuff but really it is a more of an action platformer where you're going from level to level um and the overworld shows it that way so there are like villages that you can go back to and you can go back into levels that you've already visited so if you get like a wall jump power up from later on in the game and you're like oh there was a place i could get to by using that you can go back to those previous areas um but you are this kind of red-headed kid uh really nice pixel art as well um more traditional uh, eastward but yeah very very bright and colorful um and it is a really satisfying action game so you have a sword um and you have a a, a roll and it does that thing almost like donkey Kong country returns where you can roll and then jump and it gives you more of momentum on your roll and so it felt really good to move around the spaces very responsive really good tight controls um and essentially yeah you are kind of going through this world different levels with different themes um fighting enemies uh jumping on things doing mini puzzles like it's it's very straightforward i wouldn't say there's anything necessarily unique about this game but it's really just well executed on every front it kind of just tickled that kind of i i always want to have a game that is a like a metroidvania that is just all about just running left or right and hitting things with a big sword and dodging out the way and just Mm. doing satisfying combat and very good platforming yeah it did it sadly has just same with tome as well both these games have just not done well at all on steam and it's a real bummer um i don't think they necessarily speak to that audience as well they feel much more nintendo centric eastwood is and eastwood has absolutely destroyed it is doing very well um yeah it's it is it's blowing up uh that game is actually deservedly so getting the love um which i'm very happy about but yeah these other two games have not and um so uh, i played this on game pass but it is on switch as well and i imagine as a kind of pixel art game it would run perfectly fine on switch but um but yeah it's uh you have this big dog who also is a character in the beginning of the game the dog loses its powers and you you spend the first part of the game going and getting those powers back but then you can kind of call on the dog later and the dog is almost like this super powered up being who can like dash through the air can walk on spikes without taking any damage like destroys enemies really quickly like all these these big kind of um 
knight characters who require a lot of like okay i'm gonna hit them and then they're flashing so that means they're about to attack so roll behind them and get out the way there's a lot of like deliberate combat not soulsy but like you do have to pay attention and make sure that you're not getting hit too much um but the dog just makes a meal out of them just destroys them so, so that's fun as a different element and who kind of like um is, is part of the game later but yeah for the most part it is a lot of side scrolling action it does the weird thing that old games did where once you go into a new room you can't go back to the previous one which is why i I lean towards it being more of an action platformer than a metroidvania because sure you can go out to the overworld and then jump back into the level but there's no way to like go back once you're in in the level so once you've passed a threshold of like i'm in the next room and it's kind of gone to black and then faded up again you can't just go back which is a little weird but i kind of get it because it is more about forward momentum um and, and and getting through these stages but but yeah, it sometimes shakes things up where, oh, there's a corrupted version of the level and you'll be forced to do that before you can move on. And I thought I'd be annoyed by it, but each corrupted version of the level is very different and focuses on different things. Sometimes you'll be chased by this giant kind of ethereal ghostly axe that is spinning through the air and attacking you. So you, it means you have to go fast through the level and kind of ignore all the enemies. Sometimes it's more platforming focused. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it as, as a as a way to like get my fingers to do stuff while i listen to podcasts it's a really good one of those and and, and sometimes i just need that right sometimes i just need a hey this is this is a good feeling dodge roll this is a good feeling attack you get a big axe later on that does more damage you get these kind of claws that scratch and are faster and um it's just satisfying to hit enemies and roll out the way and do a bit of light platforming um just a really solid all-round one of these and if you are jonesing for something that feels like I just want to take an afternoon, listen to a bunch of podcasts, or like have TV on in the background while I play this on handheld mode. Um, it's really, really good for that. I I like it quite a bit, and um, yeah, it's not doing anything innovative, but just good fun. Uh, really good fun. Well made game. Flynn, son of Crimson. Probably only about six hours or so, so pretty short as well, um, and and worth checking out, uh, especially if you've got Game Pass. Um, it's on there. Um, I would highly recommend people uh, give that a go. Um, so yeah, not in the same echelon of like I think we went like quality wise, like how positive I am from Eastward to Term to Flynn, <laughs> but all three of them really great fantastic games um so yeah it's a good time to be an indie player on switch right now if you if you love indie stuff then um you got just riches riches are plenty of, of really great games so so there you go um and that i think is going to close out our first segment of today's show uh, we'll be back after the break to talk about the nintendo direct and all the weird and wild things that happen during it so uh we'll be back in a second
Alright everybody, welcome back to the third and finale part of today's show, where Nintendo, for once in their lives, graced us uh, with a Nintendo Direct that aligned with our recording schedule. So thank you, Mr. Nintendo, uh, for thinking of us Very in these trouble happens. times. It's, it's happened a bit more recently, I feel like, so maybe, you know, you know, they've got some people listening. Bill Trinan, big fan of the show, I know, out there just making sure things are happening, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, here we are, the the third Nintendo Direct of the year. Who who could imagine it, Bally? We went through a whole year last year of just not knowing what was going on. There were barely any of them, and it was a drought for forever. And it feels like we're back to a more regular cadence now. We had the February one, we had the middle of the year E3, and now we've got a September one, um, and that's pretty good. Uh, how are you feeling generally about uh, Directs being back as, as a thing that's more consistent now? I mean, yeah, they've always like they have a very high consistency for doing september directs so like it's good that one happened and i think we are generally very big fans of directs i think that they obviously vary in strength and that just kind of depends on time of year what they've got ready to show whatever but i think it's good that they're back and it's i thought this was a decent direct there's definitely impactful moments we might say yes um, you might say that uh, but for September, when they've already got a strong lineup coming out later this year, and they only mentioned a few things from that strong lineup, I think, yeah, it's Nintendo are firing, not maybe on f- full cylinders, but like they're a lot better than they have been maybe even the last couple of years, I'd say right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, there's exciting stuff uh, all over the shop, potentially, and um, and the fact that they brought certain things back uh, uh, that have been absent, uh, the fact that Bayonetta 3 was announced four years ago almost and only now are we seeing it but it is coming out next year um that that's cool right and it's great to to get uh some some of these announcements and and some release dates and stuff like that so yeah i from my pitch on this one is like this is one of the weirdest nintendo directs mm. i've ever seen um just some of the announcements are just out there in a way that i was like what okay that's strange i i didn't expect that but that's happening it's i guess that reminder um, that oh yeah nintendo's a really really weird company and, uh-huh, you know we need uh-huh. that reminder every now and then we definitely got it with this direct yeah for sure um and you know in in the time now where we live where we no longer have satoru shibata dressing up as professor layton and phoenix right um you know i i would love that injection back into the company but they just seem to just being doing that through their announcements instead of weird like side skits that they made with reggie and bill trinan and yokai watch uh, like they did back in the mm-hmm. day but um, but yeah it's uh it was pretty good uh, and we're gonna just pick out some announcements and go through uh, some of our favorite stuff that was shown bali where do you want to start with uh, this direct what is my, the thing do you want the the most impactful announcement first uh-huh. or do you want the, the game i'm the most hyped for let's start with a game let's okay. start with game start i with think game. let's go with that yeah i'm i can't believe i'm saying this um <laughs> okay maybe triangle strategy aside i'm most yes. hyped for kirby and the forgotten land yes absolutely i this is the one thing that was spoiled for me before it's my own fault i was on twitter and oh, the build sucks. up to the direct and i just saw a screenshot of kirby with like the the last of us style buildings in the background that's all i saw I didn't see a title and i just assumed all right damn it we've got another Kirby game coming I assumed it was obviously 2D yeah uh, wasn't excited at all um, they do the build up for this new Kirby game like, oh, here comes the Kirby game and then the trailer starts and I'm like oh crap it's 3D and it looks amazing uh-huh. and this is awesome and like, I even asked you in the chat like is this potentially even the Odyssey team and uh, it's not the Odyssey team but I mean given that we know of, uh, that we know of I 
from my perspective i think the game looks really cool i don't think it's up to the quality standards of like a mario odyssey for example um so so i don't think it is that team but um but no no but i think it's just it's very refreshing to see kirby in 3d where he's not really been in 3d before other than like kirby's air ride and then like kirby in the crystal shards is kind of 2.5d but like this is full-on 3d kirby kind of open style open area kind of style levels that just and yeah i think the who who thought that the last of us in cartoon would look great and it really does so like i think it just looks really cool that's coming like spring 22 like it's not, it is not yeah at all q1 is getting stacked it by really the second is. um and yeah i'm i'm looking forward to that like i think i saw enough mechanically from like boss fights abilities platforming that like yeah i think this is a solid you know seven eight out of ten kind of game right I'm for sure to playing for sure yeah absolutely it is a it's the most i've ever been excited for a kirby game in my life oh, i yeah. think is pretty pretty solid there maybe not maybe rainbow paintbrush i was more excited for just because we're we, we were pretty pumped for rainbow paintbrush yeah and, yeah because yeah, because of canvas curse but um but this is it just feels like finally they're like like kind of doing something different with kirby and it might not actually be that different from a 2d game given that it's still like you still get power-ups from enemies and you use those power-ups to kill other enemies and yeah. solve puzzles still has to appeal to a kirby audience who we assume is like on the younger end wants an easier yeah. kind of game and they're exactly. probably still gonna skew towards that so but I, I love this like this happy-go-lucky character and he's just in a post-apocalypse and it's like such a weird man it is obviously like a bright and colorful post-apocalypse but when this trailer started i was like oh is this splatoon because that's the the vibe we've been getting from splatoon 3 and it's like oh it's it's run down and it's kind of uh chaos because chaos won in the last splatfest and they kind of talk about that with splatoon 3 and we'll get there but um but yeah that was my thought because i so i'd heard that stuff had leaked and i didn't see anything fortunately so when it did get revealed it was kirby i was like oh cool kirby um and and yeah running around i think it's the moment where he jumps on the there's the escalator going up and he just jumps on the middle and just runs up the middle i'm like all right you could kind of like go anywhere and jump on all these objects and it feels uh feels like a fun adventure that i am ready to go on and and see what's happening and uh i made a joke actually that this is what happened this is the uh alternate ending to the smash brothers um apocalypse where every character died except for kirby and he's just like going through a world on his own now everyone else is dead and he never saved them in 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 the smash brothers single player mode uh, for ultimate and yeah uh, i think i'm interested to see if there's any like narrative reason for this probably very light uh, storytelling wise mm, yeah. as tend to be the case with nintendo platformers um but it's just weird it's just not what you would expect from a new kirby game i think we've all just been trained to expect like all right it's another kirby game it's just same thing and maybe there's a robot this time or maybe it's a fighting game for some fucking reason or it's a free-to-play experiment or just like something bizarre because the nintendo do experiment with kirby i just think from our perspective they experiment in the wrong way in ways that are just not interesting to us and i think this is finally one of those where it's like oh there we go that's that's a mm. weird kirby experiment that i'm here for yeah. so i mean i so, do yeah. think the first kirby game on switch was name i cannot remember for the life of me um oh what, uh star allies star allies what a remember rememberable name but um i think that game looked very very bland like really not great absolutely and i don't think it reviewed super well either it it 
it felt like coming off the back of something like robobot which people really liked and felt like it kind of shook things up a bit it felt like okay we're back to a regular 2d platformer with kirby and not much interesting i still think it sold perfectly well and obviously switched yeah of course everything and kirby i think sells well i think it's a low it sounds harsh because <laughs> video games are hard to develop but like it's a of low course. effort high reward kind of franchise for them right? yeah like yeah yeah that kind of game i know what you mean it is it is just nintendo's like there will never be a year when there isn't some kind of Kirby something, right? Because he's just, he's bankable. Yeah. And then we rotate him back into Yoshi, and then back into Kirby, yeah, and then Yoshi exactly. again. Kirby, oh, it's like Yoshi, Kirby, Yoshi, Kirby, Yoshi, Kirby. Give me DK, give me Wario, please. Come on, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, cuteness sells, man. That's what people love. Kids love it's it. Cute. Adults love it. This game looks Kirby's good. adorable. It's great. I think one of the fun moments was the sand like clinging to his body as he like gets up from that sandy beach <laughs> it's like what we're just going like super <laughs> hd kirby now he's got like sand <laughs> particles and grains and uh yeah uh no i'm excited for that and it looks like some some big boss fights that big gorilla was mm. uh, chucking stuff around which is fun so um i'm excited uh, about that um i am going to pick out well should we talk about it? Should we just get to the thing that everyone's talking about? Because <laughs> talk about the it's the most. The Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, so Miyamoto comes on, and I'm like, oh yeah, Miyamoto. I'm sure he's like working on some fun new game or something, right? Maybe he's bringing back Mole Mania or something crazy. Star Fox Zero is ported to the Switch. No. I think I did say, yeah, oh, time for Star Fox. Right. That's the thing that Miyamoto <laughs> yeah, is so associated with these days and bringing that franchise back and constantly failing to do so uh, to everyone's. Um, uh, satisfaction so he comes on and it also it seemed like they had a screen or like a a comped in fake screen for covid reasons between koizumi and miyamoto which just wasn't necessary but they put it in mm, there anyway yes. um and then miyamoto's like hey i've got some move, music music i've got some news about the mario movie uh and and he's like it's coming out next year 2022 i was like okay cool sure i'll watch that when it comes out and he's like but i'm not done yet how about i tell you the people who are going to be playing the characters in this movie the and i'm like between how about i tell you the character who the who the cast is going yeah. straight into the first cast member was like such a short amount of time that I just, yes people just weren't ready for it no it was just like okay and oh it's chris pratt's mario and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> What a universe do I live in? What the hell is going on here? Not only did I not expect Mario to talk in this movie and be more... But because it's Illumination, right? And Illumination have done Minions movies and stuff like that where they do silent comedy, essentially, because those Minions don't actually talk. They just do weird noises. Mm -hmm. So I, I was thinking along the lines of, like, Mario has never spoken in his life, really. Like, he says lines and Charles Martinet voices him, but it's always, like, quips of, like, it's a me and all these, like, tiny little pieces of dialogue. Nothing that is an extended sentence or like even like a conversation with someone else um so the very idea that mario is not only going to be silent but is also going to be played by like this a-list hollywood actor um but also i have no idea what he's going to do with the voice of the character is he going to do a bad italian accent like is that what's going to go on here there are just so many questions i have when it comes to this movie um and yeah it just continued from there it's just like anya taylor joy is playing princess peach and then we've got um jack black is bowser um i don't know who charlie day is a lot of people seem to know who he is i think he's from it's only sunny yeah, I, I was unaware of that one as well 
Yeah, it's only Sunny in Philadelphia, I think, is the show he's in, which I've never seen, so I'm not really familiar with him, but people seem... Seth Rogen is DK. (laughs) Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Like, it just continued this assault of just people, well-known, famous actors, uh, as these Mario characters, and um, I I just... I don't know, man. I have no... This movie feels like it's going to be some kind of fever dream. I have no idea what to expect now, given that this is what they're doing with it. Um... Uh, will we be here looking at the old Mario Super Mario Brothers movie and thinking that that's going to be on a par with this? Yeah, I don't where, know. Where are we going to be uh, in twenty years from this film? Like that's the question. Um, yeah, yeah. My biggest concern is is it Illuminations, right? Yeah. So they did uh, Despicable Me and stuff like that. And and what tends to be the case, or what I've heard people say, is that they skimp on animation quality uh because they pay a lot of money right, for like okay. a talent and that's yeah. clearly being the case here as well is, did they also goodness. do the lego film or is that someone else no i don't think they do lego okay. stuff no yeah my concern is that illuminations have a very different goal from nintendo so what i mean is can illuminations make a funny animated film with some big voice actors and and have a, have a have a successful film in terms of sales yes they've proven they can do that i've seen some of those films they're funny enough whatever fine i think they they're an, an animation studio they know how to make a funny animated film yeah. fine nintendo's goal in the movie industry is slightly different like is nintendo's goal of course yeah to make a funny animated film or is it to make a film that represents its characters in film form but still create a successful entertaining film and that's where i'm really worried that just stereotypes around nintendo when you think about nintendo a lot of these big decisions like making a film making a theme park you know they're taking they're made by very old japanese men in japanese boardrooms do i have faith that old men in japanese boardrooms know much about like western film and you know hollywood and illuminations and animated films like minions etc and that's where my faith is just like shot because i'm just like if if nintendo came out guns are blazing saying english speaking like employees at nintendo and nintendo of america are taking a lead on our relationship with illuminations and that might be the case and i need to do more reading into it but my impression is that it seems like it's very high level um ncl having a role with illuminations and I'm just not sure how that relationship is ever going to come out with a film that everyone comes around and says, actually, that's really great. Um, mm. Characters like Sonic already had a voice. And to be fair to Sonic, Sega is also a Japanese company. But I just think Sonic already had a voice. And Mario, while he has a voice, has never said anything more than Mamma Mia, Let's Go, etc. And mm-hmm. I, that's where I just think that we're going to m- meet a real brick wall when it comes to you know the second mario says anything that's not mamma mia let's go <laughs> that isn't charles martinet i think the whole anyone who knows mario all nintendo fans who will be watching this film will just completely switch off and that's not it will to feel say weird that, yeah right? and that's like, not to it's... say like i said illuminations are still going to make a very entertaining kids film family film but like is this going to be a good representation of mario like i it just feels like the question's already answered really i don't know yeah, well, so a few points. I I think they're Illumination, singular, not plural. Um, okay. I, I believe that's the case. Um, but uh, also, so I think 
what is happening here and this very much feels like miyamoto of course has been you know the the he's the guy who invented mario he, you know he's been making these video games for years and years but it seems like he is currently the figurehead or like the the person leading the charge on these other initiatives which includes the theme park mm-hmm. and includes this and i think he is working very closely with them um in order to make this happen right and i i wouldn't say a lot of the creative decisions that are being made are being done by the nintendo executives i feel like miyamoto is the one leading the charge on that and is working closely with the director and and the people making the movie in terms of like sticking to the nintendo brand bible as it were like the mario what is the mario brand bible how do they want their characters to be represented yeah it's just how the hell do you apply that to a film where he's voiced by chris pratt and and i think that's where they have to let go of some of their kind of almost stringent adherence to like this you can only have toad characters in paper mario now as miyamoto decrees like i think internally they can do that because they can make their own decisions about their own products but when they come to working with outside entities and, and and theme parks as well as movies i think they probably have to be a little bit more flexible um and even miyamoto saying okay chris pratt he, he's gonna say a lot mario's gonna be saying a lot of lines in this movie and also for some reason chris pratt is cool according to miyamoto he, he seems to like him which is um an interesting thing and, and i think he he has come to an understanding that like this will have to deviate in some ways um but it definitely feels like they have a much deeper involvement with this as a movie than sega did with sonic as a movie it's especially when you think about the controversy that happened before that sonic movie was made and mm. the version of sonic that the studio had created that was just that is very protective of their characters more yes. generally than sega and sega sure. really are not no, <laughs> especially no. with sonic. Sega, like, like in a whole i don't think nintendo sonic. would ever have let an abomination like that happen to mario i just don't see it ever happening but with also the, so- the sonic film turned out good it did in the end yes but like that was that was after they u-turned on the design of sonic himself and i'm sure the movie was like good to begin with in terms of writing and and stuff like that i've not seen the sonic movie yet i probably should at some point um it seems like it's good fun but um but yeah i i do think that with nintendo they definitely have a tighter stranglehold on their franchises and what you can do with them and and all this type of stuff right um but I think they have to let go. I yeah. think just in order to get this but movie... My, my, my prediction is it's going to be a fun family film that does really well, but Nintendo fans are going to be like, this just doesn't sit right with me. And and well, that might be what Nintendo wanted. That might be yeah. the aim here, you know? The, look, the, the end of the day, a lot of these projects, and I think a lot of them really started life and decisions were made about them prior to the Switch, just because given the situation with the Wii U and 3DS, they were not good financially, right? They didn't have a guaranteed success in the console space. And so hedging their bets at that time they went into mobile they started making decisions about okay we're going to start branching our ip out into different places and that included doing the theme park and making this movie and potentially doing netflix adaptations of some of their properties because it's a solid revenue stream but also it allows a wider mass audience to get indoctrinated into nintendo properties and ips and therefore potentially in the future think oh i enjoyed that mario movie mom can you buy me a nintendo switch right like that's kind of their approach i think nowadays is much more as supplementary i think back when the wii u was doing bad they were probably thinking of it as a as a more financial uh incentive but i think at the moment because they are much more financially stable thanks to the success of the switch it feels more like a way to even further widen their kind of hold on 
on people and and you know try and do a, a marvel-esque thing or, or a disney-esque mm. thing and mm. be like become part of the culture more so and you do that by going to to mediums that are deeper parts of the culture as much as we would love video games to be more widely um uh, accepted and played and stuff like that and we're getting there uh still movies and tv are much more widely um accepted cultural forces uh, and so i think that makes sense in terms of their goals uh, and what they want to do with it but um but yeah i'm interested i don't so I'm just think fascinated. we're gonna like the film <laughs> no well i never look i don't give a shit if there's a zelda netflix show or if there's a mario movie the reason i like those properties is because they are video games i could not care less if you gave me a you know adaptation of a video game thing in another form like i i treat those those mediums on their own merits um regardless of like what the thing is but would you say the same about the nintendo theme park yeah i mean that's slightly different i think because it is a theme parks are a lot of theme parks as well they play on certain elements of your nostalgia like especially with the disney stuff um and and even like you know superhero stuff like going and doing that spider-man ride at universal Mm. like a a lot of that stuff is tied in with brands already so there's already an inherent tie to that stuff um so a theme park the same way as these films like there's a link in in a way but I i think like a film as a cultural object is different to a theme park as a experience you know i don't know i i I look at them as two separate entities um and i i'm not as i think the idea of a theme park with nintendo stuff is cooler from a kind of fan perspective because it is it's not necessarily about delivering you something that you obviously people can have opinions like what's good about a theme park and what's not but i think most people just go there and they're like oh that's the thing i like and and it's fun to like exist in a world uh of 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 this universe that i love right um whereas i don't know it's 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 hard to separate um but but i I do think they're different to me personally um but yeah i think they're both trying to achieve the same ends for nintendo which is get more people interested awareness in make money awareness yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's all that at the end of the day um and you know whether this is successful or not i don't really Chris care Pratt helps in that goal rather than him it, oh yeah and of course <laughs> it, 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 this is what gets people into theaters that that is sad as it is like you have to have big names um mm. in order to do that and the name mario is not it's a wide known universal thing same with sonic um but i think it just helps it helps get like a mum who does not want to go to see a fucking mario movie right she just doesn't want to take her kid to see it but she's she's being told she's gonna see it if she sees chris pratt's in it she might be like oh okay i know him i've seen those movies he's in this is something for me like it's for the adults to get into the cinemas as well as well as the kids so yes I, anyway. that surprises me that a parent would be into watching a family film that's more geared towards kids for the simple reason that a voice actor was in it rather than being like it's star power isn't it right it's, but rather than crazy. being like oh this is a pixar film i know there will be jokes in there for the, an adult audience as well as the the family you know like that it yeah feels totally. weird to me that someone would be like yes chris pratt's in it we're gonna go see the mario film like that just yeah. boggles my mind <laughs> like, i, I, I think that's like that with pixar though like pixar are, are able to do that because they are a name it's versus Ill- illumination which is like uh, are people really fans of illumination i don't know probably wannabes. not exactly and so like they get round it by being like hey we threw a bunch of money at extremely famous people and lots of them and you know them all and because you know yeah. them and like them you're gonna go watch this right so yeah and that's ultimately how the first big 
celebrity actor in the animation sold tickets was for Aladdin with Robin Williams way back in like ninety exactly ninety three exactly. right so yeah yeah so it works anyway fucking bizarre uh <laughs> just like was this I, the right pl- time and place to announce I, it is i don't question. know like, why was like, it part of this and maybe not separate like i am honestly I stunned that they chose a nintendo direct to do this i think from a marketing perspective it's actually fucking genius because the core audience who watch nintendo direct is not massive but is sizable enough to where everyone is talking about it at the same time which means that when you drop that fucking bomb everyone is tweeting simultaneously chris pratt mario nintendo saw that idris elba bomb and thought we want some of that we want some of that cake and and you and you make more waves doing it this way because you get the core people who know what's going on but because the core people are talking about it so much on social media it explodes to the rest of social media i I have two i have multiple twitter accounts uh one's much more for like british politics and yes it's clear when stuff really penetrates through because you see people on the british politics one tweeting about chris pratt as marion like yep job done it worked it penetrated the audience of, co- of course my dad messaged me yesterday on whatsapp and he sent me an article from the bbc about it being like look at this and i was like <laughs> well that tell like if yes. my dad is messaging me that that's what tells you it's yeah, broken yeah. through right so so yeah anyway uh let's get back to video games that was fun talking about movies <laughs> and stuff but really it's a nintendo direct let's talk about video games bali tell me another video game you're excited about from uh from this thing i am excited for for metroid dread and i'm so excited <laughs> i closed my eyes for the whole, thing. <laughs> the whole time yeah man uh i yeah I, why is it with nintendo with this game they just for some reason they want to show everything possible about it to us and uh and it's admirable but you say that are you not still convinced I, so i've not seen the trailers i avoided them and you've said bally you should probably avoid these i told you to yeah <laughs> yeah um surely there is still a lot that they have kept hidden of that course will be at the latter part of this game of course surely. yes right. and I, I really hope that is the case yes I'm, I'm i'm sure that is and i'm sure that they're only really scratching the surface nevertheless they're showing a lot of stuff um and uh and i, I get it right because i think from their perspective metroid has never been a franchise that has sold well it's always been a critical yeah. darling and people who love it fucking love it but they it just has not become a big success like frankly hollow knight has probably sold better than any metroid game and that's a little startling um given that you know metroid is the granddaddy of the entire genre that like most indie games are these days right like it is i think metroid's influence is just so outsized compared to how well the series itself does it's it's insane super metroid when it came out supposedly sold like less than like a million copies or 1.5 or something which was like really low and the impression well statistically like apparently it's just never sold in japan and i think the second you're a nintendo franchise that never sells in japan it's a rocky road going forward because like they always like to back up their franchises that do really well in japan they're the ones that are most likely to get the sequels get the next game etc mm-hmm. and metroid just never has you know worked in that market in the same way no it hasn't broken through and i think this frankly is 
the best chance it has and i think that's why nintendo are pushing it so hard because there's a, a lot of factors going on here number one is the nintendo switch is wildly successful and any new game in a franchise on switch will become the best-selling version of that game regardless of its quality regardless of anything else it just will happen because of quantity and volume and attention that nintendo commands these days number two is the indie scene has just blown up with this genre and there are many high profile successes that have sold incredibly well hollow knight ori axiom verge like all these games have have really revitalized this genre and made it a mainstream like thing that more people pay attention to and so it has more popularity right and so these factors coming together alongside this brand new game that is continuing the story that is the next canonical entry it's no longer a remake which gets new people and old people excited it it feels like the perfect storm for them to strike hot uh, and and really get metroid to do something this time mm-hmm. and i think because of those factors they are pushing it as hard as they possibly can because they will see benefit from it right this will be the best-selling metroid game i, I can pretty much guarantee that's going to be the case mm-hmm. um and i hope it is as well like i, I just hope it gets more recognition because because then it means that they might make another one right and it goes back to that question we always talk about of like why do we care so much about you know people buying uh, enough copies um and and this is why uh, is because like nintendo pays attention to that stuff and then we don't go another 10 years of silence waiting for the next metroid game um so yeah that's kind of the confluence of factors i think are at play here and uh i'm just excited I just, it's a couple of weeks man it's coming uh i want to play it and i will play it very much so so yes i also closed my eyes throughout the entire thing despite the fact i was streaming a reaction to it and uh, that's kind of antithetical <laughs> poor, to the whole idea poor content <laughs> really content. bad really bad um but yes looks great um I have to talk about Bayonetta 3. Uh, I think that is, for me, probably the standout of this direct that isn't Kirby, is Bayonetta 3. We've been waiting for it for so, so long. And uh, multiple trolls in that trailer. Multiple, multiple trolls. First of all, they have a Wonder 101, which is the Shibuya 101 building. Um, And so I was like, wait, is this a wonderful 101 thing? But that was just a reference. Then you see the platinum thing on the building. Then some aliens come along that kind of look like Astral Chain aliens. And then fucking lappy is there the dog from astral chain the mascot dog um and i'm like oh it's astral chain 2 it's not bayonetta 3 and then fucking witch time activates and you see the reflection of bayonetta coming down and just like destroying this beast um and then the pan up and the new hairstyle my goodness looks so good especially when they start to play gameplay and it's clearly running at 60 very smooth um obviously it kind of gets a bit chunky later on when the she's fucking riding a dragon down buildings Mm. and they're all collapsing that's the point where i'm like well let's get a switch pro in here for this please um but you know what bayonetta 2 i've talked about it before it is the fastest i have gone to don't care about anything to do with this because i'm just i i haven't i don't know just i, I was like oh bayonetta that's a thing i don't really care about it i played the demo literally instantly went to amazon and pre-ordered the game i've never been so quickly converted to a franchise in my life and bayonetta 2 was my game of the year that the year it came out stunning game just incredible action and it's the game that really got me into this character action genre that i hadn't really been that interested in before because like i'm not really into beat-em-ups or side-scrolling beat-em-ups and that kind of thing and i don't really care about like combos in fighting games and that feels like what character action games are and that is true to some degree 
But the other thing about character action, action games is that they are bonkers and just full of spectacle, and nothing embodies that more than the Bayonetta games. They like there are moments in Bayonetta two that are just wild, ridiculous shit, and I just get so much entertainment value off watching it and enjoying it and just playing those games. Because even as someone who's not amazing at it, it just gives you this feeling of empowerment um, that is unlike anything else in video games. And and it's one of those things like I off the back of this, I got into the Devil May Cry series. I played the first of, of those games and then i played dmc5 when it came out played astral chain really enjoyed astral chain um and so yeah bayonet is really responsible for me getting into a genre that i previously had kind of written off and wasn't super interested in checking out um so the fact that we finally have footage and a release date of uh, or at least year at least of 2022 for bayonet 3 is really exciting um and i'm 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 i just want to play it i really want to play it because it just reminded me how good bayonetta 2 was just seeing the combat and the, the way she moves it's just like the swiftness and the speed and the slowing down time and oh it feels pressing buttons in video games has never felt as good as, as it does in bayonetta um it, it's really remarkable so um bali i know you have not been as interested you're probably similar to like what i was before i got into bayonetta i am i i owe i owe it to myself to give it another go either with two or one or you know just jump in yeah and try it again because i did try the demo it wasn't that hot on it i'm not into character action much at all really but i i should probably give it a go at some point i think you should yeah i Bayonetta one and two are both on switch and mm. i need to play the first game um because i haven't actually played that uh i would i would love to to get that and do a backlog club Bayonetta one yeah i think Bayonetta, that's you know potential <laughs> that is definitely a, a potential thing we could do but um i i would love to play that um and and obviously do a replay of two before three comes out uh yeah that would be great so super excited for bayonetta 3 it's it's such a weird it's the most not nintendo franchise and yet now it is a nintendo franchise <laughs> it's bizarre man how it's happened right like nintendo saving that game saving that franchise by funding it and then bayonetta coming into smash and then then re-releasing those games on switch and now they're doing a third game like bayonetta is more associated with nintendo now than it ever was with the previous gen consoles on 360 and ps3 which is wild considering where it came from and the kind of game i will say like it's interesting that distinction has happened especially given the new extra power of xbox and playstation and yeah i think fans will rightly be a little bit grumpy that you know yes when these big monsters do come out and it starts chunking up and knowing that that would run really well on either like a series x or a playstation 5 like that that's yeah. that's a little frustrating especially for like it's a true. comparison action game it's true but we got to remember the franchise wouldn't exist if nintendo didn't totally totally so, like that's, that's, that. the, that's the problem i think with those people is like they're like but it should be on mine but it's like it wouldn't exist at all man like it's different wanting it on your console for loyalty reasons versus yes. wanting it on your console because your console runs it better than the nintendo console. yeah That's exactly and i totally get that and the yeah. style of game it is it kind of it pushes the boundaries and it will really try to push switch to its limit i'm sure so yeah so that makes sense but you know bayonetta 2 did a lot of bonkers stuff and managed to hold us hold a solid frame rate pretty much the whole way through so it did and i've not played that game but this game does look like a level of bonkers above that yeah to some degree you're you're controlling kaijus right that's what i got from the trailer is like (laughs) there are these giant kaijus having fights like and i thought they were just having them in the background and you were just doing stuff on the ground but no you are controlling the kaiju (laughs) in the sky as well like that's uh it's crazy crazy shit um i love it i'm I'm super excited for that uh bali do you have another uh, one you want to pick out here i'm looking forward to splatoon 3 um yes 
I, I hope it's not like an excited flash in the pan or we play it online for two, three weeks and then it's like, I've done the single player. It's no improvement on the last game. The new modes yeah. are fine. But, you know, I, I, I'm judging from like some of those power-ups, it does look very cool. Like it look, I think you mentioned like it looks like they're going a little bit Overwatch in their kind of style of like power-ups and things with like the rolling ball. And one of the characters looked like they were like Spider-Man going through the level, like hooking on with like ink it just looked mad yeah so i'm really intrigued like if it, the game just looks a lot more three-dimensional than it perhaps did before and that is pretty exciting when especially when you think back to how many of the weapons were so gun based in the first game apart from like the paintbrush uh and the, the roller obviously and just they, they're really evolving on that formula in a way that i hope is substantial enough to the point where it really does feel a lot more like overwatch which i have recently really taken to like um so yeah i think it's it's interesting and i really hope that the single player is something that we're both big fans of yeah i hope so um just get rid of the live system i think it's as simple as that that's like certainly that. one huge part of it for sure yeah um but yeah I do, I do think there's some cool like there's a shot of like upside down buildings and like there's some bizarre stuff going on in that trailer it, it, it looks really cool there's a level of like style and like japanese indie scene kind of like yeah this is this is like a cultural moment here right now like this is this is a big deal like what the, the styles they're going for with this game that i think um we will look back on and be like wow that's that's what like that's what like japan indie scene looked like in 2021 or something you know i don't know it just looks it looks really cool like a real interesting take very out there very um, out there and and yeah a lot of glitching stuff going on in the trailer um yeah it's hard to tell a lot of what's going on there but um i think from the perspective of the multiplayer to shake it up and you know you mentioned overwatch already but i think that's one of my things i wanted out of a next platoon is like maybe take some cues from overwatch and it seems like they literally did that because fucking wrecking ball is now in this game um and you can roll around <laughs> and, and like get out and this like crab tank and start shooting and i was like it is that literally that, that move from that going from the ball to the sort of gatling gun style tank uh-huh. is like just so wrecking ball like it is the exact same thing to, isn't it it's ridiculous yeah but then also like with the elastic arms like it feels that they have more distinctive character stuff going on um Mm. aside from just the weapons themselves like mobility stuff and things like that it's very much they've not they've not put the brakes on and said that wouldn't work in the squid world they just said yeah fuck it like mechanically it'll be great we gotta do it kind of thing and i like that attitude about splatoon it's like mechanics first we need to get that right make this gameplay evolve in some ways rather than just Mm -hmm. worry about like it's aesthetic although they are doing very well on that front as well yeah i mean it looks great um you know splatoon's always looked really no release date Um, but we think nothing was it 2022 before i think it was 22 they said because they so this was shown off in the february direct for the first time and um and yeah they said 2022 i'm not gonna pick this up in my fantasy critic it's one of those games i can just see sliding so yeah potentially i don't know i think splatoon is probably a safer bet just because as a series it feels more iterative and looking at what they have shown so far it feels a bit more safe um like i would imagine this is a summer game this is like july or something or august right uh next year i think that's definitely a possibility um but yes it's always you've got to be safe with those picks man especially the start of the year because uh you know could could screw you up uh later down the line um i'm going to talk about chocobo gp 
they're doing Final Fantasy racing game and Chocobo's on roller skates and it's like Mario Kart. Apparently they did one on PS1 or something. Like it's, it, it might be, some, yeah. it's either a reboot or a remake or something. Like it's not a... We were chatting about on stream um, Konami Crazy Races, which this reminds me of mm. in terms of another company, a Japanese company doing their Mario Kart-like uh, with all their like far less well recognizable characters to most people although uh, a few people in there will be like oh that's vv that's the white mage uh, you know that's gilgamesh or whatever from all final fantasy lore and all, all these other games that have happened no, no one like there's no cloud in this game right which would have been much more recognizable to a wide audience right why wouldn't you put your big i don't know i think chocobo racing like it's the chocobo it's kind of focusing i think more on like the generic characters um far more than the recognizable Mm. ones um just make it a bit cuter and and more i don't know open to an audience who doesn't can't use your a tier team on a bad game yeah 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 um i don't know it it looks fine it doesn't look very good kind of low budge uh, a little bit um but i like the idea the fact that they were like anyway we're gonna do uh fire fira and firaga and i'm like we're just taking the magic system in every game now yeah. we're just gonna do it in this racing I, game I like as that. well it's fun um, yeah. it was fun it's it's a cool idea uh and i'm sure it's gonna be uh delightful for some people but uh i don't know if i'll play it if it's a reasonable price and we can play online together i'm so up for it but i, I just know it'll yeah. be that extra bit pricey than you want it to be you know of course square enix tax annoying. you know always yeah. happens always bring it to game pass that, that's a good platform for it sure, we'll try sure. game pass. <laughs> exactly i think it's a switch exclusive actually oh, is what wow, they said okay. it's only coming to switch and it's coming next year but um yeah that seems fun uh i hope it's good uh it looks wild um uh bally what do you want to pick out next um i'm very excited for this triangle strategy i know i Which had they've my... decided to just call triangle they've strategy now I, I I had a couple of issues with the demo, mainly that like I was just not mastering the uh, tactics quite well enough, and mm-hmm. I I look forward to actually playing the main game and doing all the tutorials in the build up, and hopefully you know managing the the strategy a bit better. But it, it was challenging for sure. I really but... I relish that challenge because it's it strategy is one of those rare genres where for me I, I do really like something that pushes back against me. Um but I definitely feel like a lot of people found it quite challenging and that's why one of the points they brought up was hey we've got scalable difficulty you can change it whenever you want. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love to see that. That's really, really great. Because I do actually think that game just visually and narratively could be strong enough to a point where if it gets too much for me, I just drop the difficulty right down and I just kind of play yeah. through the, the final third of the game, perhaps. Oh, totally. You know, like, yeah, it, and I'm sure that'll be a lot of people, right? Yeah. And, and that's great. And I, I really appreciate that that's what they're doing. But um, the fact that I just... it. <laughs> Square Enix are like you can't change them. You just you can try, but they're never going to change. And it's like, okay, this time we're going to do a project name that is so stupid. It just like defies all stupidity that we're going to have to change it, right? But then they, I think they just come to this realization every time that everyone knows what it's called. And so if you suddenly change the name, then people are going to have a disassociation and be like, oh, what was that called? And it, it's kind of happened with like Project Athia. So many people who watched that thing were like, wait, is this a new game? Have I seen this Forspoken? I don't know if I heard that before um like it, it does happen a lot yeah. in video games with like project titles that then end up changing and so square enix were like well everyone knows it might be a stupid fucking name but everyone knows it now so we're just gonna it's, stick it's kind of mad it. because video game development takes a very long time yes. however 
I do not believe for a second that naming a game takes anywhere near as long and you can probably get it sorted within, I don't know, a few weeks if you really put your minds to it, you know? Yes. It's weird that, you know, when marketing is so important to the video game industry these days and having that, uh, that consistency between nintendo directs and other showcases that have the same name you know like it's surely so important to get that recognition that you want the same name and changing it just confuses everyone this could be the big brain take though that it's so stupid that people talk about it more you know it could be one of those things of like it's so fucking dumb that people remember it and talk about it more because it's terrible Hmm. uh and maybe that has been square enix's strategy the whole time is like let's just be stupid because then people will talk about our stupid i mean with octopath the thing people talked about the most was the art style and people already talking about that less because it's it's already less impactful the second time you do it that's not to say it's still glorious and looks incredible oh um, for sure but i feel like that might be one other reason that we're talking about the name a little bit more than we were before maybe but, yeah. yeah i I do appreciate that the second outing was not just noctopath 2 and was it's a totally different genre like yeah, similar enough cool. rpg wise but the fact that it is a tactics game as opposed to a turn-based rpg i really appreciate that switch up and I think maybe part of it is because they are releasing a remake of Dragon Quest 3 that will be a much more traditional RPG in this style. Mm. Um, And so having a game that isn't... Because then you have three games that are all turn-based RPGs in this style. And it's like, well, by that point, would people be bored of it to a point where the Dragon Quest 3 remake wouldn't be as interesting? Like the demo showed there, there are very clear octopath elements in that strategy system which are very cool like the turn order yeah like the bp system and, and stuff mm, like that really as well. cool really cool um i yeah they're, they're taking some of the best aspects of the octopath battle system and obviously the art style and then just doing this whole new thing it looks incredible yeah it looks fantastic um yeah and that's coming march as well yeah March and q1 again you know like yeah I, so busy <laughs> Yeah, Kirby and that, and also uh, there was something else, I think. I can't remember. From but, this um, Direct. Maybe. I'm thinking there's loads of games coming out around that period, generally. Yes. I mean, there's like Horizon and... The um, Saints Row Saints reboot Row. that's happening. Um, I think Dying Light 2 as well. Dying Light yeah, 2. Loads, What's loads the big, big Dark Souls studio again? Uh, that's coming in January. Elden Ring is happening in January. Elden Ring. I mean, that's still Q1, right? So Yeah. Yeah. A lot of... My lot goodness. Of never ends bali we, th- we thought it would end at some point it doesn't um uh what continues to happen though is nintendo putting out uh stuff too late uh, and that is n64 and genesis on switch um there i've been watching reactions and people being like yes nintendo n64 you we love you and i'm like you people are insane! What nintendo should have done this fucking years ago <laughs> it's just the most infuriating thing i think Here's my take is that I think a lot of the people getting really excited about N64 and Genesis games didn't own either a Wii or a Wii U. Or they, of course know, they didn't, because no one fucking owned a Wii U. Well, true, but like they've not had, they're not, like we're, we're quite far down the line as very hardcore Nintendo fans who have played quite a lot of retro games in the last 10 years through yeah. Nintendo's um, virtual console, both on Wii and, and predominantly Wii U for us, but like... I just don't think people are like that and they're just really ready yeah. for N64 for whatever reason. And Totally, yeah. They'll find out a lot of those games just aren't that great. <laughs> 
I mean, some of them hold up. I think there's definitely like merit to certain N64 yeah. games. Yeah, all the best ones you know, have been remade in some way, and that, yeah, but yeah, like Ocarina of Time, Star Fox. It is a bit of a bummer to be like, here's the N64 version of Ocarina. The 3DS version is just better in every way, and it's just like yeah. ah. And we don't have that version I'm on Switch. Very excited for people to play Mario Tennis on the N64 yeah. and realize, wow, this physics engine is like ten times better than what they're doing <laughs> with Mario Tennis in the last fifteen years. Damn it! Yeah, yeah, totally. I I was going to ask you about that. Of like, you're probably going to dive back into that, I imagine. Um, and uh, it has online play now, so we could play that against each other, I which love is cool. That, yeah, I think that's the cool thing about this is. So okay, so let's break it down. So they are they're doing a quote unquote expansion pack, not to be confused with the expansion pack without a C for N sixty four, and it includes uh, an additional cost which we don't know yet. So they will charge more for the Nintendo Switch Online. If they're, if they're not saying it up front, you know it's bad. Like uh, that, it's going to be horrendous. I hope not, but you're probably right. Um, so yeah we're going to be charged more for their online service in exchange they are so graciously giving us n64 and genesis games and according to people insiders um supposedly game boy stuff will be a part of this as well but they just wanted to start with n64 and genesis to kind of get people excited and then they'll add game boy later as as an addendum but um yes it's it's a separated like membership and uh, as with every nintendo thing it has to be named as the most asinine way possible which is nintendo switch online plus expansion pack uh, which is the name of this total package together um and for that you will uh, be able to play a bunch of n64 games um most of the ones you would expect a uh, lot of mario of course mario 64 mario kart 64 mario tennis um and dr mario is in there i think as well uh but you also have sin and punishment which is great because i've been meaning to play that for ages and i did buy it on my wii u a little while ago now but playing on switch would probably be a lot better so that kind of sucks i kind of that's a rare game right that's also on rare replay no no it's not sin and punishment is treasure um treasure makes what's the first person shooter before golden uh perfect dark perfect dark of course yes that was after golden eye in fact was perfect dark but yes um uh the the perfect dark is not listed here i don't believe uh, because you could also get sin and punishment on our wii u if you wanted that's why i said i bought it already oh you've you've already bought it i bought it when it was i got some gold point or i think uh silver point discount on my nintendo uh which is why i bought sin and punishment because we were planning maybe to put it in a poll for a backlog club at one point and um i never uh have played it yet because i'm kind of waiting for that point but now the fact that sin and punishment is available or going to be available through this i'll probably just play on switch and that you know six quid wasted but it's fine uh uh, i i own it in perpetuity and that isn't the case with these um because you know they might disappear at some point but uh, anyway yeah uh win back is another one i've not really heard of but looks interesting that's the kind of shit i'm here for it's great that mario 64 is there i literally just played it um it's also bizarre that they have a remastered version of mario 64 but they're also putting mario 64 on this and like is there going to be a difference will you be able to tell a difference i just i don't know uh it's really it's a little weird um and yeah i think i'm actually much more interested in the genesis stuff because it's a platform that i've never owned uh, i haven't played a lot of that back catalog you got stuff like fantasy star and shining force which are classic uh rpgs and, and strategy games um you've got gunstar heroes which i really wanted to play golden axe like so many revered and talked about genesis games that for me 
I probably wouldn't be as interested in paying for this membership if it was just N64, but with Genesis in there, I'm like, yeah, actually, I will do this, because those are the types of games I just wouldn't buy of my own volition, but given, like, the richness of that catalogue and, and the way people talk about it, I'm far more interested in diving into some Genesis stuff, so definitely will be checking that out and, and playing some of those games, but... um they did show some upcoming stuff as well so stuff is going to come out on n64 which included and i think this is the interesting one banjo kazooie uh which i think does open the door as you mentioned with perfect dark for that possibly being the diddy case kong um, racing diddy kong racing which, which as blessing is said on kind of funny games is unique because it now has nintendo and microsoft characters in it and the only other game that does that is super smash brothers so like right. we're now in a position where you could actually see diddy kong racing which obviously has diddy and banjo etc and it's so right we'll see yeah and they um they did remake diddy kong racing uh, on ds that was one of those rare microsoft um al- already owned things that did come back post the acquisition of rare um but uh are there any microsoft published games on ds so that's only game boy advance wasn't it I think there was so there was going to be a Halo game on DS at one point that was cancelled. I remember, yeah, (laughs) I think Nintendo World Report talked about that in one of their um, telethon live streams, where they they revealed the story of like there was a time where Microsoft were going to ship a Halo game on a Nintendo handheld, um, but never materialized. Never ended up happening. Um, So yeah, uh, I, I I just thinking about how ridiculous rares output was on the nintendo 64 we have banjo kazooie one and two dk64 conker's bad fur day goldeneye perfect dark diddy kong racing that's seven fucking games how long was the n64 around for they were shipping like they must have been shipping multiple games per year it's actually ridiculous when you think about the output that rare had Mm. on n64 it isn't um gemini what's it called jet force gemini Gemini, as well yeah yeah like Jesus That's a big Christ. game as well. That was a big, big deal. It's absurd. Like, when people talk about Rare's influence on the on that era of Nintendo, it is so large. And to think that Dinosaur Planet could have also potentially been a game before it was yeah. saved for GameCube. Just unbelievable. Well, to the think that they've been working Rare on did. Everwild for, like, four years. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like, it's going to uh, get, it's like, the director left or whatever, didn't they? Or yeah. Being re- um, restarted no idea what's going on with that but yeah rare on n64 were a a gem and the idea that we could potentially get a bunch of their games on this service is actually much more exciting i think for a lot of people um and and yeah here's the thing here's the brutal reality of this everyone's going to get excited and play these games and then what's going to happen nintendo is going to go dry the well is going to go dry and we're going to be paying that we're still going to be paying more Mm -hmm. and they're going to it's going to six months are going to go by and they're going to be like here's five games yep and here's some game and now here's one more n64 game another six months go by and they're like and we've added pokemon stadium 2 uh for some random reason and you can't connect anything to it but it's here and it's like that is going to happen and we just need to and you know that when the second switch comes out they're going to wipe the whole slate completely absolutely and you don't have any ownership of those games and that's where it's like that's where i think the subscription service for game pass is a lot more transparent and impressive and better value than this shit that nintendo keep pulling it just does my head in yeah it's bad and they'll continue to be bad at it and they will not change because enough people will pay them money uh and we will as well so that's kind of the way it goes although i i feel like we have an excuse because we uh we talk about it so i think you know 
maybe i wouldn't be uh hopping on this bonus thing if if not are you definitely gonna do it or it just depends on that price and oh yeah i'm, de- I'm definitely gonna do it i'm definitely of course because i i want to play the genesis games and i think that's a fun way to do it and okay. there will be like what if ogre battle 64 gets on there i want to check that out right like i want to i want to see what if, if they put quest 64 on there there's some what about glover man right like there's some weird shit on n64 that i would love to dig into but would not pay for uh, of my own volition. weird shit yes um, quality i'm less certain but yeah no of course right like all the all the good games will have been there already but um you know i want to dig in so cool uh is there anything else major you want to talk about bally uh from this there are some smaller things we can go over yeah nothing major you can definitely run through i I think it's interesting they've got a a save the date on two announcements with the smash brothers and animal crossing that's like quite it's like just i don't know it just feels weird when you have a direct and say following like this there were two nintendo direct style things announced within this one nintendo direct right (laughs) yes yeah and they they have done that before to be fair to them but it just does feel a bit weird especially with the the animal crossing one they're obviously like revealing brewster's cafe and all this and it's like yeah maybe i'm underselling it but it's just a damn coffee cafe can we just see it like I'm sure they've made it look so, nice and it's going to be cool and there might be a couple of extra features. The thing that was cool about Brewster's Coffee Shop back in the day was that that's where KK performed. But now KK just performs in the square. So, like, what what's, what are you going to do? They'll, they they could move him there. They, they, they could, could move they him could there. You can, like, choose. Maybe he performs in the square in the summer, but he performs in the cafe in the winter or something. You know? Yeah, and I guess you do get, like, some fun dialogue just having a tea or coffee at Brewster's and just sitting there and he chats to you about life or whatever. That's fun. And that's kind of what Animal Crossing is. Yeah. Like, it's very light uh, it's, in that way. I but. feel like it's a hard sell in the direct to be like, yeah coffee shop i don't know it's just i you don't know I, I feel like animal crossing fans that's what they want though right like that's the also how many people have dropped off animal crossing by this point oh loads yeah of course but like how many i think it's a little bit of an unfair thing to say like of course animal crossing is a game you're supposed to play forever but like how many people drop off all games all the time you know the, i think the fact that i put 140 yes. hours there are so many people out there who are like man i only put 600 hours into animal crossing and i don't have anything else to do and it's like you put 600 fucking <laughs> hours into a game that's more than like 90 percent of games you probably play i i totally get it from a perspective of someone who like just focuses on that entire experience and that's the thing they play but like i do find it a little rich for people to be like man i i put 150 hours into this game and i'm already done with it and i'm like dude like i never put that amount of time into any game yeah when when i said dropped off i meant people like me who have paid, played like 30 40 50 and then dropped off i didn't yeah, mean like the yeah. people who were like hundreds and then dropped off yeah 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 yeah. It's, yeah it's crazy it's crazy um but i don't know maybe i'll jump back in i i, I do love that animal crossing and i i had a great time with it so um uh, let's talk about some collections and some revivals uh they're bringing the Shadowrun trilogy to switch which is really cool i played Shadowrun dragonfall a few years ago um it was i kind of posted on reset era and, and was like hey what's a good uh, entry point to uh crpgs because i was interested in uh, pillars of eternity divinity i was like what is a good entry point and people were like shadowed run uh, check out dragonfall it's like kind of fancy themed but also it's like cyberpunk with with fancy races so there's like orcs and stuff but they all have like sniper rifles it's a really cool mashup uh, cool world and uh, yeah it's got like xcom style combat but also a lot of dialogue choices and a narrative focus it's a really cool series and yeah um, it's cool that 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 trilogy is coming to switch because it feels good for handheld castlevania advanced collection which has been rumored for 
ages and ages it got rated this week and so people were pretty um inevitable about it being released on the same day as the direct and that was the case and it's out now you can go check it out and, and buy it uh if you have not played those games i highly recommend them if you like castlevania style games if, if you're excited about metroidvanias generally um really solid uh, entries all three of them are good uh i would say circle of the moon's probably the weakest in terms of how well it's aged because you have to double tap the d-pad to run and i don't have confirmation of them changing that which they really should have changed it because it's one of the most annoying things but i played through all three of these on uh, wii u virtual console and talked about all of them on the show so if you do want to hear some thoughts find the backlog uh, and, and dig in and, and see where i talked about them there'll be episodes uh, where i did um but yeah they also are including dracula x on this collection which is like the bad version of rondo of blood and it's a bit weird that they would put that on here it feels like kind of a bonus throw on uh, that they they added because it it wasn't i don't believe dracula x was on gba but it's just i think it was on psp maybe and that's why it kind of counts as a handheld style castlevania as well but really you should be playing rondo of blood the original um that is included in there was a symphony of the night and rondo of blood pack that only came to playstation I, one of the most bizarre things man there still is no way to play symphony of the night on nintendo i just don't understand it what is going on it, it's wild like it would do really well i don't know why they have not put that collection of symphony of the night and rondo onto switch it blows my mind but at the very least you're getting the advanced collection and um yeah I would, i'd highly recommend those games they're all really good fun so check them out uh, out already uh, another revival act razor coming back as i mentioned recently on the show been uh, playing soul blazer which i finished um i did finish soul blazer and uh, and enjoyed it the whole way through i think it's a weird game i think it's got a lot of issues and repetition and stuff like that but it's it was really cool to see uh, the the origins of like quintet's uh, foray into action rpgs and act razor is uh, obviously a classic and people love it because of its bizarre mashup of side scrolling action and city building and stuff like that i don't like the art style for this at all it looks very ugly it reminds me a lot of the ghost and goblins remake that came out earlier this year that mm. it's like they're bringing back these classic franchises and they're like hmm but what if we gave them the ugliest art style possible how about that and i'm like fucking why why would you do this there are so yeah. many better ways to remake and remaster these games i i just don't you understand could it even arguably like remaster the pixel art and what i mean by that is like give it like an eastward pixel art or something you know like right you, you yeah. can improve on pixel art it don't, remasters don't have to be suddenly these weird awful like, like oh it just looks awful yeah yeah i don't i don't like it and i would like to play act razor at some point but i just don't think this is the way i would like to go through it so maybe i'll see what people say about it but um yeah i i don't know that doesn't read as uh as a great time to me unfortunately um and yeah delta rune chapter 2 also now out that also just shadow dropped recently on pc uh, i've been meaning to get to it there are too many fucking video games as we all know and i would like to replay chapter one to remind myself before i play chapter two because i played chapter one on my laptop when i was in uh edinburgh like, years ago like three years ago i think it was and uh i don't have that save file anymore chapter one was three years ago i believe so 2018 oh um yeah so yeah, it was like last year <laughs> no man time is a flat circle it's just like who knows when anything happens anymore um but i don't have the save file on from that laptop and i don't want to like try, try and transfer it over so i'm i'm just gonna uh, replay on switch i think because i haven't started it yet and i had i downloaded it on steam so i downloaded chapter one and two on steam and just haven't had the time because i've been playing too much other stuff so playing them on switch sounds like a good idea so i'm, I'm glad that they are both there now and they're both free um 
and Bali, you've played Undertale, right, at this point? So, I have, yes. Um, I don't know if you have any interest in playing Deltarune, but it's it's free. So, uh, yeah, uh, definitely worth playing for the soundtrack alone, I mm. would say. Toby Fox, like, I, I definitely get the love for Undertale, and I do really appreciate that game more and more as time goes on. But a lot of that is filtered through the fact that that soundtrack is incredible and continues to mm. just be in my brain all the time. Am I so. like one of the few people in, on the internet who, like, loved Earthbound but wasn't as, like wasn't that hot on undertale or i don't think so i think there's definitely people out there um i i, I don't know I, I think undertale definitely when i played through it i was less hot on it just as time has gone on i have more and more respect for it Part, partly i think it's because i did watch the genocide and uh pacifist roots on youtube and there's a lot more interesting stuff that comes out of that um and story-wise just the writing is excellent it's just a really funny well-written game yeah but the mu- the music transcends it and for me that is what is most special about that experience is the music i just i just love the soundtrack so much and deltarune has some fucking bangers in it so i'm i'm excited to play chapter two if only to hear the soundtrack that he's composed because that mm. man can write music uh, real real good um yeah uh, and then a couple of other things i wanted to touch on were kotor is coming to switch the original um not the remake clearly it's this is like uh back to what was happening on the wii of like oh everyone else it's a strange timing that like the playstation thing was just yeah. announced and then they're like oh yeah the remake the original sorry is on switch right it is it is like oh uh the big boy consoles have final fantasy 15 nintendo switch gets final fantasy 15 pocket edition and <laughs> it kind of feels like that of like hey here's the shitty old version um of course not shitty old i played kotor last year and um it's incredible it it, it holds up uh combat does not uh, uh combat's bad in fact i will go as far to say and i, I did not enjoy will it. it run at 60 on my series x uh probably i think it, it probably gets a bit of a boost um okay. yeah but yeah you i know you own this already because i i for some reason i had a code from watching a microsoft event that just randomly showed up in my app one day and i was like what the fuck is this for and then i realized it was kotor and i was like well i've played that already bali you own an xbox take this code um so <laughs> yes uh i yeah, i'm i'm interested in this uh the kotor remake for sure but um it's interesting that aspire are also doing this port so like they're porting the first game that is wild which, Really as well as remaking it which it kind of makes sense right because they're probably playing the old game a bunch while they're remaking it um it, they probably have to do that so yeah logical to some degree um and the last thing i want to talk about is this weird fucking card game called voice of cards which is from square enix and it's being made by yoko taro uh it was very kind of clear after the fact i was like oh wait yeah that music is very near adjacent like very much near style of, of music which is oh if you want to talk another incredible soundtrack the near automata soundtrack just banger after banger it's it's one of those things i think we talked about it recently of like games that i came out of being like yeah they're good but like don't have the same frothing fandom as the rest of the internet does undertale and near are both two of those games and yet with given time away from them i kind of get it because the soundtracks for both those games are just stunning um and yeah that's kind of the case with this game as well it's it's a weird card game uh, i downloaded the demo i have yet to play the demo but i do want to check that out and uh, and try it maybe maybe i talk about it in the first segment because we're recording out of order who knows uh, but yeah anyway um voice of cards it's a video game about cards and that i think is probably all i wanted to cover from nintendo direct um apologies to monster hunter fans though obviously we kicked off with a monster hunter sunbreak thing but neither of us have played rise yet and i would like to get to it but as we continue to say there are too many video games yeah. and i don't have time also um, huge apologies but... to disney magical world fans we'll oh about yeah of course yeah. yeah um yeah apologies to the fans of disney magical world <laughs> 2 uh 
Yeah, it looked like a uh, <laughs> good, good video game. Uh, yeah, was, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, fun thoughts, Bally. What do you think uh, overall of the solid stuff? Um, I would have found that personally a very weak direct without Kirby, but Kirby was just like that pleasant, new, fresh surprise that really sold me. So I think even if Kirby wasn't there, it was a solid direct um, and just maybe not solid in like traditional sense but just the, the sheer hilarity of the mario cast and all the stuff that did on the internet was just a great spectacle in and of itself but there's enough mm-hmm. small stuff in there as well that i think i think there's something in there for everyone i think there's a real diversity of types of games and yes. that's always nintendo at their best when there's something for everyone and yeah i'm happy cool yeah um i did a poll uh on our twitter feed to say who will be happier with the direct announcements and it was 60 40 in my favor and i think that yeah i think bayer 3 swings it your yes. way massively and stuff i think like, it does i don't know delphine yeah. chapter two and yeah uh, you were definitely hotter on the triangle strategy demo than me and stuff like that metro mm-hmm. dread obviously so like yeah yeah not that we yeah watched I, that, I, but... I think that audience uh correctly picked but uh you know, it was tricky, you know, sometimes it goes one way, sometimes it goes the other. But yeah, I definitely really enjoyed this one. I thought it was, um, it is the weirdest Nintendo Direct of all time. I think it's one of the most bizarre ones from a card game by Yoko Taro to Chocobo Racing to a 3D Kirby in a post-apocalypse to fucking whatever the hell the mario movie casting announcement what i just i just still my brain is exploding from that um, i just cannot wait for that trailer i just want to know what this is about like yeah yeah 100 percent. so i'm sure we'll talk about that in the future but that will be another time for now we're gonna get out of here and uh, and finish the show off um uh, so bally uh we have some fine folks to thank over on patreon.com slash this nintendo life for supporting the show and uh and uh doing fun stuff and you can also help do that if you go over there and uh you can get some bonus episodes and stuff like that but we would like to thank uh, some patreon supporters by yes thank you to our ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s atari alex thomas matthew and my wife caroline thank you all for your support and yeah we just did an episode of this non-tender life last weekend i think that was and yeah yeah you're probably wondering like mbz moans about all these games coming out but you mm-hmm. know like he doesn't talk about a ton of games it's like that's because he talked about like three non-tendo games <laughs> over on this non-tender life so definitely yes. check out that show for a dollar if you want to hear thoughts uh yeah if you want to hear chat about psychonauts 2 mm-hmm. uh the final fantasy 7 yuffie dlc and the artful escape uh three of the best games i've played this year yeah. <laughs> kind of kind of crazy stuff uh really really good stuff happening right now yeah. uh, and i also so. talked about art of rally and then we did yes. like a big uh discussion about the playstation showcase that was like a little while ago now so yeah definitely we check did. that out for a dollar if you're interested um and thank you to all of our other patrons it's usually um appreciated all the support that you give the show absolutely um speaking of support uh we have some people who have written reviews on, on uh, apple Podcasts. i was gonna say itunes but apparently that doesn't exist anymore it's apple Podcasts. uh so uh we have a couple of reviews here um very different uh in their approach but uh, i'm gonna read this one from justin from the usa who who kind of wrote a mini essay uh which i do appreciate but we said we'd read out the review on the show so Our here we go tied, so don't, don't moan how long so, uh, this is <laughs> so the review is titled hoping to grab a pint with bali and mbz someday which i'm totally up for uh you know if we go to an event in the u.s at some point when people can visit other parts of the world without dying um that would be good uh very good 
So, Justin writes, I am certain I left a review for the superb show last year, but iTunes seems to suggest otherwise. This feedback is long overdue. These Brits generate hours of audible candy, ripe reviews, predictions, insights, and recommendations surrounding the world of Nintendo. From the American perspective, their accents create a refined, buttoned-up delivery of all things Nintendo, (laughs) until NBZ goes off the rails in his efforts to convince his co-host Bally (laughs) that he is wrong when expressing a counterpoint. Uh, This is where the profanity kicks in, and it's these moments of authenticity where the podcast truly shines, as they demonstrate the excellent chemistry shared between these lifelong friends this is not a run-of-the-mill video game podcast series these guys are enthusiasts who bring a perspective to the table yes they're nintendo fanboys but they openly discuss industry trends and complete games that exist on other non-nintendo platforms which assures the listener that their impressions do not grow from a narrow-minded point of view furthermore they're open about their favorite sources of information and they constantly offer up praise to other podcasts or journalists that inspire their creativity Admittedly, I did not tune into this Nintendo life until probably somewhere around episode 150. For years, I frequently picked up and dropped podcasts dedicated to Nintendo coverage. Every other Nintendo podcast, whether it was Nintendo Power Podcast, IGN's Nintendo Voice Chat, or even the highly praised Radio Free Nintendo, left me feeling as if I was making compromises just to gain access to topics and discussions around this brand that I've dedicated way too much of my life to following. Like with practically all things Nintendo, too many other Nintendo podcasts are put through this filter of being too fake question mark it's like a sense of forced joy or enthusiasm as if the production is shackled to the idea that nintendo cannot be critiqued too harshly or that the production itself has to be kid friendly this nintendo life doesn't subscribe to this philosophy and they're the top nintendo podcast because of it their show is honest just two friends chatting about their passion but it's delivered in a package that upholds the standards of professionalism cheers to you both uh, uh well now i feel like i have to live up to that glowing review ballet because that uh <laughs> that, is that very maybe is kind uh, review justin yes um, extremely uh really generous um very very nice um yeah we just said hey write write a review if, if you would like and justin went above and beyond so uh, yeah very very highly appreciate that and you definitely justin you really touched on a lot of themes that we definitely go for with this show that is just yes. hugely appreciated that you appreciate those because i think exactly one of those things is like um we always reference other things and pod- podcasts and shows and people and i never really hear that done in other shows and mm. i don't know what it is but uh, i i always enjoy doing that and uh, kind of sharing my my love well, of well if you're someone like dan Rykert, you don't actually listen to any no. other video game podcasts <laughs> exactly yeah yeah um yeah as i'm someone who is like a in some ways and don't take this the wrong way in some ways i enjoy following video games more than i enjoy playing video games yeah, I i'm think... like similar to like ben hansen who's yeah. another kind of voice in the industry i really respect i i just love the uh discussions and industry and just everything about it um so much and and that's why i always mention giant bomb or kind of funny or, mm. or all these other outlets that i follow min max like that yeah. uh, give me joy when i'm kind of listening to stuff so in case some listeners don't know me and mbz easily i would say certainly in my case like the amount of podcasts i take in versus video games i play is at least four to one three to one like even though i play a ton of video games i think i easily like multiple of two or three listen to more podcasts about video games yeah for sure um i I listen to way too many and i am very behind on all of them and i think my current count is 170 unplayed oh and it's getting God. out of control i'm losing my mind um uh, but we also had another review much shorter and sharper and to the point uh this is from the german itunes store and this took us a while to figure it out because we've been having trouble finding the stores don't we'll, we don't go into it bali gave me a whole diatribe before the show about it and it sounds like a nightmare if you are from the uk us canada australia 
germany like those are the five stores that i'd say we check the most um, yes but yeah apologize to people apologies to people who don't live in those regions and nations who have reviewed us because they're much harder to find if if you have reviewed us and you are in like somewhere that is not one of those places let us know and we'll we'll go check Definitely. it out um but this is from qubit cube tiloda from germany um and uh, their review is my favorite nintendo podcast love the show informative and funny thank you so much we really appreciate that and uh yeah two different very different reviews both the same sentiment um very very much appreciated because it just means that um you know people can find the show and uh if people are looking for more nintendo chat uh, we're here and we're here for you so anyway uh i think uh we've got well we've got other stuff to say uh twitter you can follow us on twitter uh find the podcast at tnl podcast that's where you can go to see stuff like that poll that i put up um talking about who would be happier about the direct uh, as well as updates on our patreon shows our main shows all that good stuff uh I, you can find me on the internet at lord nbz and um, bally where can they find you i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 fantastic um and and yeah you can find the show in various places including um itunes and spotify and stitcher and all the podcasting apps that you have just search for this nintendo life we're there download it subscribe all that good stuff uh, and uh, check out the show um and i think that is pretty much it uh obviously you can check out our discord uh check out our youtube um i think uh it's been it's been pretty good uh you know this year so far about you know in terms of video games but Next time on the show, uh, a certain video game will have been released. The first and played twice by MBZ. The, the first 2D Metroid in 19 fucking years is coming out. <laughs> At the moment, I'm going to give a shout out. Um, I before I did a reaction to the Nintendo Direct, but I started a last one last playthrough of Metroid Fusion before Dread comes out, and I uh, I'm planning to finish that before uh, Dread releases. So uh, you can follow me Twitch.tv/LordMBZ, and I will be streaming probably a couple more times before Dread comes out just to finish off my last playthrough of Metroid Fusion. Um, so if you want to check that out, uh, feel free to. But um, to say I'm excited would be the understatement of the century, Bally. Uh, I am heavily anticipating this game and um, I hope it is good. I'm going to watch I a few YouTube videos catching up on plot stuff because I am quite <laughs> sure. Whatever plot stuff there really is uh, a plot, in the Metro there's series. A plot. There's a plot. I think, um, I think they might go quite plot heavy with this one. It seems yeah, like, it so looks like it. Yeah, there's cutscenes and stuff yeah. happening. I'm excited. I hope it's a decent plot. That's what I need yes exactly uh cool well that is gonna close us out for the show thank you everyone so much for listening we'll be back very soon with some more podcasts and some more nintendo till then see you then bye bye folks interlude used on today's show was sam's theme from eastwood copyright pixpill and chucklefish 2021